Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all doing well. Now, about a month or so ago, I posted this episode three hours of reddit stories to sleep to and you guys absolutely loved it over a hundred thousand views on it on youtube countless more on podcast platforms so i'm gonna go again this is three more hours of reddit stories to sleep to sit back relax subscribe once again if you're in bed and enjoy karen gets shut down at a funeral my mum died in 2011 right around the time that my paternal aunt cookie was left by her husband after beating cancer for a third time now my aunt is very physically changed from all the chemo and radiation she had gained a lot of weight lost most of her hair and had aged a bit faster due to a lack of hormones from having every trace of womanhood cut from her body i have extreme anxiety stemming from agoraphobia So my aunt cookie was my safe place for the duration of the whole event, which lasted several days. This consisted of everyone being at my parents' summer house in Mexico, basically standing around, chatting, drinking, and eating everything in sight. This funeral had every family member, plus people who were aunts and uncles that I'd never met in my life. Not being a drinker and not knowing a lot of the people walking around, my aunt and I sat down to have a cigarette each and catch up on our lives and whatnot. Suddenly, while we're mid-sentence in her cancer update, a Karen that I'd never set eyes on in my life starts loudly going, Ugh! She swats at the air like our cigarette smoke is even anywhere near her and makes a big fuss. Karen says, Oh, that is so disgusting. How can you behave in such a disgusting manner at a funeral? I reply, my mum was a smoker, so she'd approve. What? She was your mother? She didn't teach her daughter how to be a lady. I see. And you, talking to my aunt, you should know better. What do you have to say for yourself? Smoking in front of this child. I was 33 years old. My aunt Cookie takes off her sad cancer hat and strokes the small tuft of hair she had left in the front and booming her voice but not yelling, says, for all to hear, what's it gonna do? Give me cancer? Karen looked uncomfortable after the hat came off but still managed to look insulted and walked away. I could hear the internal re here. After a millisecond of silence, I giggle snorted and laughed until my sides hurt. Everyone else in the room just kind of smiled, though I think I heard a few snickers. I asked my aunt, who was she? My aunt said, I don't know, some weirdo that probably came for the free food. My aunt rocks. She's been in remission since 2012. Oh man, there we go. What a way to start an episode. Your aunt is an absolute beast. I'm sorry. Imagine the look on this Karen's face as she takes off her hat and just goes, so what? I don't care. I've beaten cancer three times. It's amazing, by the way, that she's been in remission since 2012, that she's still going on. I mean, like, fair play. The strength, the the patience, I don't know, just just the courage to continue to go through that. Chemo after chemo, probably most likely, but yeah, it it all go well and, and 
she be okay now? It's pretty crazy, so fair play to her. And as for this Karen, I mean, come on. These guys are adults. They can choose if they want to smoke or not. It's not your business. You don't even know them. Now for our next entitled people story. Entitled guest thought money could get him anything. So I live on the big island of Hawaii. And last year I was working at a local resort doing concierge. Most of the job was helping people figure out what they want to do while on vacation, like snorkeling, guided hiking tours, helicopter rides, etc. One afternoon, I was approached by a guy who wants to take a tour to the Captain Cook Monument, which is known for having great snorkeling, but is only accessible by a steep and fairly grueling hike or by boats or kayak tour through a permitted company of which there are only a few. He wanted to go that day or the day after. And I explained that unfortunately, all of the tours were fully booked. Unfazed and without pause, he tells me to find him another boat. I explained that only certain boats are allowed to be in that area and all of them were full. He insisted though that I get on the phone and start calling anyone I could who had a boat that he could pay to take him there. And he kept saying, money isn't an issue, just find me a boat. I calmly explained again that that was not possible or legal and that no local boat captain would risk losing their license to take him there. Exasperated, he finally gave up on the boat and started asking about other tours. At this point, I mentioned that one of my favorite local tours is for stargazing on Mauna Kea. I know I've pronounced that incorrectly, but please, Hawaiian locals or people that know, comment down below, correct me, thanks. I told him all about the incredible sunset views and absolutely breathtaking stars, and that you go up in a nice van with about 14 other people. He was interested in going up the mountain, but didn't want to be around other people or be on a tour for eight or so hours So he tells me to call the helicopter companies and find him one that will fly him up there for a private star show. I begin explaining that the mountain is restricted airspace due to the observatories at the top and that even if it wasn't, that not only can the local helicopters not safely make it to 14,000 feet in altitude, but none of those companies do stargazing tours because they aren't trained for it and don't have the equipment. Again, he tells me to just call around and find him a pilot willing to take him up there and again starts repeating that money isn't an issue. I once again calmly explain, while shrieking like a banshee internally, that no pilot is going to risk the loss of their license as well as fines and jail time for taking him up there. Finally, he throws up his hands and says, fine, I guess I'll just go to the beach then. Like, yeah, dude, I feel so sorry that you left planning your vacation activities until you were on vacation. Clearly have issues being told no. And now your only option is to enjoy a stunning beach in one of the most beautiful places in the world. God, I hate rich people. Oh my God. I just, yeah, absolutely despise this sort of person. Just because you've got money doesn't mean that you can have access to do whatever you want. It's just, it's just not how the world works. It's just annoying that people like this have lots of money and just feel entitled to be able to say and do things like this. It's just insane. There's literal legal reasons as to why money doesn't matter in this situation and you cannot do this thing. Yet they don't get it. How dumb are they? And yeah, again, I completely agree. Now your only option is to enjoy a stunning beach in one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's not as if it's a bad thing, is it? Goodness me. The audacity to say, fine, I guess I'll just go and enjoy the beach then. Yeah, you will. 
My sister-in-law got a new engagement and wedding band and it's the exact same one as mine. My sister-in-law copied my engagement ring and I'm trying not to get angry. My sister-in-law has always hated me. From the moment I got with my now husband, her husband's twin, she has always hated me. The first thing she ever said to me was that I'm the longest lasting girlfriend. And since that day, there's been this weird unspoken competition where she's always trying to belittle me making me feel small and insecure. At first it used to work, but now it just angers me. She's bragged about seeing my husband, boyfriend at the time, naked before. She's made comments about my sister's marriage unnecessarily. She's just jealous or something and has always said something to demean me. She goes and changes into outfits that match mine and literally copies me in everything. Well, me and my husband got married recently and he bought me a new ring because of our new journey in life as we'd grown so much and then today i went to my mother-in-law's house to celebrate someone's birthday and she's here with my husband's twin i look at her and she copied my ring exactly my husband bought me a new five carat pear rose gold double halo ring and she has the exact same thing i am so 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 freaking angry also an added note she also copied our other sister-in-law's engagement ring My husband has seven brothers and the eldest got married first and then she did and she had the exact same ring as that girl too so i know this behavior isn't random or a coincidence i'm trying to contain myself because it's not a big deal and it's just materialistic things but i'm fuming and i'm so annoyed i literally don't want to talk to her at all on this trip so should i confront her or just leave it alone yeah now this is just extremely weird and to be honest with you Over the history of my channel and having read a lot of stories about people like this, this is not a kind of new occurrence, I wanna say, an individual like this in one of these stories on these entitled subreddits. She's just, I don't know, got so much wrong with her, so much jealousy. We don't know why, because obviously there's not a lot of context to outside what we've been given, but it's just clear that she is a terrible, terrible person and I don't really know what her agenda is, what she's trying to do, what she's trying to achieve. But yeah, just a horrible person that sadly is a part of your life. All I can say is just try and ignore her as much as possible. Every little thing that she does to try and irk you or get under your skin, whether it's dressing like you or having the same engagement ring made or wedding ring or whatever it is, just ignore it. And by doing that and not giving her any fuel to add to her stupid fire, it will just drive her crazy trust me i think that's the only thing you can do here lady gets a ticket after people kindly warned her this one is from a few months ago but it's still gold there's an intersection by my work that connects two main roads east to west and north to south when you come to this intersection from any direction you won't be able to turn left there's signs everywhere telling you no turning left easy right well no not easy living in that town and going to work where i work for almost a decade i've seen so many people turn left people usually just honk and swear but this time there was a cop waiting to go through east this lady pulls up in a nice cadillac she's coming from the south and goes to turn you guessed it left now people see the cop they know that her getting pulled over will slow down traffic as it's a two-lane street so panic ensues honking yelling some swearing one guy on the street says lady don't turn left there's a cop don't turn left 
don't turn left like a freaking chant everyone together this lady rolls down her window the rest of the way at this point she is mid intersection going to turn left the cop is shaking his head no bro looked like he was on lunch and he was fuming like he's close enough that i can see the sandwich bag in his car the lady though yells out and i'll never forget i can do whatever the frick i want to i will do whatever i want and if i want to turn left i'm freaking turning left i don't care and left she goes the cop looks down lunchtime has been interrupted his windows may have been closed but you can tell when someone yells the f word he turns around and puts his lights on of course she pulled over she can do whatever she wants till the cops are there oh i mean come on woman everybody there is telling you not to do something they're all trying to help you but no i guess that is the definition of entitlement you feel entitled to do whatever you want and um yeah you pay the repercussions because you deserve them like come on even the cop is pretty much chanting saying please don't do it i'm eating my sandwich man just play by the rules like everyone else does or the majority of people try to at least everyone's trying to help you but no i'm gonna have to pull you over here i'm gonna have to do my job and um yeah nobody really wanted that to happen apart from you it seemed it's just instant karma of the highest accord and one thing is for sure never never interrupt a cop on their lunchtime that is a surefire way to get a ticket now for our next entitled people story my aunt felt entitled to my money at the beginning of the year i decided to move across the country and change career what i'd not anticipated was that due to stupid french insurance laws they cover agencies and homeowners for unpaid rent only if the renter is a student not workers in training i couldn't find anywhere to live my aunt was living less than an hour away from where i would work so i called her she was about to move away from her old apartment and apparently didn't have enough room for me in her new place so she offered to keep renting her old place while i finish my probation period and then once i'm able to rent i'll move out or rent the place myself but it came with a condition i had to pay her the entire caution in case i break anything and i had to buy her the kitchen she'd installed and several other pieces of furniture because it was a pain to move it I also had to only have moving boxes, no furniture myself. I had to argue to let me have a freaking fridge. I moved in and stayed for the three months probation. Then I decided that I prefer to live near my job and move out. I cleaned my aunt's apartment, I moved my things out and the furniture she sold me, except for the kitchen, and left. Now, because I was here illegally, I had no choice in that. My name was never on the contract, but I still paid my aunt rent every month. I believed that she would receive the entire caution back and give it to me. Plus, she said she would try to resell the kitchen to the new renters and that would allow, again, me to have some money back. But she texted me yesterday that she'll only receive 30% of the caution back. Here are the reasons. She lost the key and it has to be replaced. I insist she lost a key. Charges to pay and then also garbage taxes. Here is the kicker. Those are the charges for the entire year, but I was only there for three months. Yet still, she is making me pay the entire tax. I wouldn't mind paying them for the three months I stayed, but I find the entire year to be exaggerated. Plus, I didn't lose the key, she did, and still it's up to me to pay? Her reason was, 
We agreed I would only give you the money that the agency is giving me back. I'm screwed because I was there illegally, so I don't have a leg to stand on. I'll just remember to never trade with that aunt again. Well, although I, I see your point, OP, that you don't have a leg to stand on because you were there illegally, you can do other things, right? You can, for example, tell your entire family about how your aunt treated you, what she made you do, and how much money she made you pay, when in reality, that was her caution. That was that was what she had to pay. Well, at the minimum, nine months, but probably more, given, as you said, she was the one who lost the key. So, yeah, I think that there's nothing you can do financially in terms of that money is gone. But tell your family, tell everyone. Make people understand what your aunt did and, and that your aunt is a bad person. Just to clear up some things as well, I'll put this on screen, actually. Um, people are asking in the comments, if OP was there illegally, isn't your aunt the one that's liable? So do nothing. It's on her to fix, not you. But then someone has replied that the aunt is shorting them on the payback. There's nothing owed to the landlord. OP clears things up, though. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same in the USA, but in France, you have to pay a caution when you rent a place. And when you leave, if anything is broken because of you, part of that money isn't returned. Okay, so in England, we call that a deposit then. That makes sense. To assure my aunt I was coming in good faith, I paid her the caution before arriving. I really had no choice and she took advantage of that. I see. It all makes sense. Very sad, but there we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I, a 26-year-old man, found her, a 28-year-old woman's TikTok after we went on a date. This is honestly not something I expected to post about. But here's the thing. I've known this woman for a while since we're in the same friend groups. She's a nice person, attractive, and honestly, I've always enjoyed my talks with her. A few weeks ago, I asked her out on a date. I figured if she says no, it's fine, but she actually agreed. We went on a date this past Saturday, and honestly, I thought it was awesome. We went out to dinner, had drinks, spent the rest of the night talking, and we even took a walk on a walking bridge over the town's lake. It's not a big one. I dropped her off and was elated. I absolutely loved the night. However, that night when I was scrolling through TikTok on my bed, a post from her, I didn't follow nor knew she had a TikTok at that point, appeared on my For You page. Essentially, she said in the video, getting ready for a date I really don't want to go on. That was like a bucket of ice water being thrown on my head. I was so freaking happy and I just found out she didn't even want to go on a date with me. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying she has to want it, but please, let me know if that's the case. We don't need to go out. We can forget I even asked her out. But doing this on the internet, it made me self-conscious. I'm not sure if that's the right word. Now I'm unsure about what to do. Should I tell her I saw this or just forget about it? Honestly, it really hurt me and I'm not really sure I want to give this another try. I mean, she didn't want to go out with me in the first place, right? 
Wow, that is a really, really tough situation. But without further ado, let's get into the update. This was posted just a week later. Hello, everyone. Some people have reached out to me through comments or chats asking for an update on the situation. Sadly, there isn't much to share at the moment, but I'll provide what I can. Please keep in mind that I won't be discussing this further, nor will I reply to comments. Thank you for your understanding. After last week's post, I read almost every comment, or at least most of them. I'm thankful to all those who commented and shared a bit of their own personal story. Some people mentioned that anxiety is normal and feeling like not going out is definitely common, suggesting that I shouldn't look too much into it. While I agree with their perspective and see no fault in not feeling like going out, what bothered me the most in this situation was having to post a TikTok for a significant audience. I am a private person by nature and even my social media accounts like Instagram only have one single post. I don't really like to overtly share nor do I want to be with somebody who does. It's completely fine to share whatever you want. I just don't want to be a part of it. So I decided not to contact her. I chose to pretend I'd never seen the post and let things be. I understand a lot of people might think this isn't the best choice, but I feel it's the best course for both of us. Last Thursday, a few friends who also happened to know her invited me for drinks. We went to a bar and while we were eating and enjoying our drinks, a mutual friend asked me how my date went as our circle was aware that we were going on a date. I didn't want to say much, so I just replied, oh, it was good, but I don't think we clicked. This friend followed it by saying, we figured which made me feel rather uneasy. When I asked what he was talking about, he hesitated, but eventually said that they had seen a TikTok post from her about not wanting to go out. At this point, I didn't really know what to say. This situation is just incredibly messy for me, but there's not much I can do about it. Still, I wasn't going to mention it, nor did I try to look up if there was any update on her part. In fact, I deleted TikTok after that incident. It just wasn't doing me any good. Nevertheless, this past Saturday, she sent me a text. She mentioned that she enjoyed our date and asked if I wanted to go out again. I understand that she clearly stated that she enjoyed our time together. However, I don't want to be with someone who exposes so much of their personal life. It's not something that would be good for me. So I decided to tell her the truth and I sent a text explaining that while I absolutely enjoyed our date, her company, and that I thought she was an amazing woman, Her post from the night of our date came across my For You page on TikTok and it made me feel really self-conscious. While I understand that she enjoyed the date, contrary to what she felt at the time of the post, I didn't feel comfortable going out with someone who had such a high level of exposure online. I wished her the best and expressed hope that she finds someone whose lifestyle aligns with hers. She has read the message and left me on read ever since. I don't think she'll reply and I don't think we'll have a lot of social interactions going forward. I'm sorry if this wasn't the update you guys were expecting, but yeah, sadly, that's what the situation became. Anyhow, I wish everyone a good day. Okay, wow, what a post to start things off. First of all, I've got to say that usually I try and keep my comments relatively short and concise on these episodes, but I have so much personal stuff to say about this that i don't think this is going to be short first of all i literally know someone who's been in this exact position before it's actually one of my good friends brothers and yeah he was in this exact spot dating someone who posted about their dates and well her dates with him on tiktok 
it's a very, very weird spot. I mean, this person has quite a few thousand followers. We're talking tens of thousands here. This is a relatively big account. And yeah, he knew that after going on a date with her or texting her or, you know, just his feelings towards her or her feelings towards him, it was going to be public through her TikTok account. And that was obviously pretty weird. It was also weird for us, right? Watching these videos from her. She's American and he lives in America. But yet we were given an insight into their dating life. It was just a bit strange given that we knew the person that she was talking about. Now, if you don't know who that person is, maybe it's interesting. I can hold my hands up here. However, linking this back to the story I've just read, from OP's perspective, I don't think it's a very comfortable position to be in when you're going on a pretty intimate day, you know, a personal thing, yet the person you're doing that with is spreading everything or telling everyone online about it. Now look, I know that there is a big audience for that. I completely understand it. And it's very popular, that sort of content. But I agree with OP. It's not the best thing, I think, to have somebody just spreading that information online. I don't know. I, I kind of agree. For me personally, I don't give out too much information about myself online, if I'm being pretty honest. I actually don't give out that much at all. Yeah, you know, I have an Instagram account. I have a Twitter, but those aren't that public really i mean they are public but they're not super public i'm not like posting stories every day about what i'm doing i'm not kind of necessarily telling you a lot all the time how i'm feeling or like my dating life or that sort of stuff it's just just not what i kind of want to do because i feel like it's important to keep that sort of stuff separate i don't know <laughs> people do that sort of stuff and and people love it it's just probably not for me now going back to op here i think that the way he's handled this is really, really mature. And it's actually a great reason for, for not continuing to see this person. And I'd like to think that if I felt the same way, which I might, I might, I feel, I feel like I'm more inclined not to because I, I get this sort of industry, but you never know. I don't, I wouldn't want someone saying, oh, this date was good. Oh, my boyfriend's really annoying me doing a video about all that stuff, to be honest. So I might, but yeah, by saying, look, we had a great day. I appreciate the fact that, you know, maybe you had reservations before or not, or I like the fact that you said you wanted to go on another date all good. I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody or see somebody that is posting so much stuff publicly about just me and you. I think that's a very, very valid point. But if you think about it, right, his friends saying to him, yeah, we figured they've seen the video. I mean, that kind of epitomizes the whole notion of, of what OP is saying, right? You don't want other people. You don't want your friends knowing about that sort of stuff. You don't want other people knowing. You don't want strangers knowing. It's just weird, isn't it? It's just so strange. And yeah, I think you made the right decision. Now for our next best of post. Would I be the jerk for not telling my husband I'm pregnant until after he's back from his trip? My husband is a stay-at-home dad to our four-year-old daughter. He is an extremely devoted and loving dad who has barely spent any time away from her. And she is a major daddy's girl. In two weeks, he's going to his best friend from college for a whole week. He's going to be reuniting with his college friends that he hasn't seen or spent time with altogether since our own wedding. He originally wanted the three of us to go, but I convinced him to just go himself because I think being alone would make him enjoy it more so he doesn't have to do childcare. I think our daughter is too young for that big of a trip for people she's only met once. Also, I'm planning on taking a week off work and would love to spend one-on-one -on -one time with her that we so rarely get. This morning, I learned that I am pregnant. We've been trying for some time now and really want lots of kids, so I'm over the moon and I know that my husband and daughter will be too. 
I've not told my husband yet. My first pregnancy, he was a huge prepper. And when I first learned I was pregnant, he went into overdrive with preparing, researching, and taking care of me. He was incredibly helpful and loving, and it was so sweet. But he also really worked himself up and got stressed. I don't think it'll be as bad with this one, but I could still see it being a lot. I honestly don't really want to tell him until after his trip, in three weeks, even though it's a huge secret for me to keep. I think he'll potentially be upset, which with him is very, very tame, when he finds out that I'd known for three weeks, but he would get over it fast. My concern with telling him is I could honestly see it ruining his trip. I can just imagine the constant text asking me questions for the millionth times or sharing his most recent thoughts. I really, really want him to have a chill and fun trip and be able to decompress. And for myself, I want to be able to just focus on having a great time with my girl. But I also don't want to just hide something so hugely important to our family from him since he obviously deserves to know. I can't really decide. Would I be the jerk if I decided to wait to tell him until after his trip? Okay, so before we get into the update here, first of all, a couple of relevant comments from the original comments section. Someone has said, no, you're not the jerk, but definitely don't tell anyone else before him. I completely agree with that. The logic here does make sense from OP. I think that's completely fine. But yeah, you cannot tell anyone else because that is when it would get unfair. OP replies, oh yeah, I'm definitely not telling anyone else. That's why I'm asking Reddit for advice on this and not friends or family. Yeah, that does make sense. Although I may tell my daughter right before he gets home because I'm loving all of the surprise suggestions that I'm seeing, especially with her wearing a big sister shirt. That is a good shout. Someone else has replied to that saying, I love the big sister shirt. If she's not reading yet, you can have her help you make it, then tell her when she's putting it on to show him that it has a secret message for daddy to read out loud to her. They can both get a surprise at the same time. That is genius. Oh my word. She can blurt out when she sees him that her shirt has a secret message for him and she won't know ahead of time what it is oh, that is so clever and op has replied that she absolutely loves this this is absolutely what she's gonna do thank you so much what a great idea that is okay so now for the update which came six days later so i hadn't planned to give an update so soon but even though i planned on waiting until after my husband's trip after a few days it became clear to me that i could not wait that long he definitely knew something was up with me I've been getting crazy excited and been chomping at the bit to tell him. And honestly, it just didn't feel good to keep something that big from him for so long. We've been trying for this baby for close to a year now, and it's such happy news. And I decided it's just not worth it. But I still wanted to give him the surprise I had planned. I asked him to go out to the store to grab something really quick. And before he got home, I had my daughter put a shirt I'd got on her that had only child crossed out with big sister written underneath. When he came through the front door, she sprinted to him, yelling about how her shirt had a secret message for him. He was very taken aback and it took him a second, but once it clicked, he was beyond excited, as was our very confused daughter once we told her. She started dancing around the house, singing about having a baby sister, which she is adamant it will be, and it was just a really good day. He's still going on his trip and has not been even close to as stressed as he was last time. 
If anything, he's looking forward to it even more now because he knows it's going to be a last chance to really decompress before things become a whole lot crazier. Thank you so much, everyone, for all of the lovely comments and responses that I got. I really appreciated them. I showed my husband the post and admitted my original plans, and he got a big kick out of it. But he's very glad that I told him before the trip. Thanks again. Well, there we go. If you were after some wholesome content today, that's it. You just got it. That's just a beautiful story. I just love that. Sometimes Reddit can be a pretty toxic and negative place, but it's good to remind ourselves that, that a lot of good stuff does also exist on the website like that. That was wonderful. I mean, honestly, like the amount of stuff, you guys know this, the amount of stuff I read about entitled parents, like entitled kids, just, just rude people and terrible people in general. Then you come across a family like this where, you know, even on a subreddit like am i the jerk sometimes a lot of the posts are kind of negative or you're like yeah this is kind of not great anyway i mean some people are in the wrong here some people are not entirely sure this is just someone genuinely asking should i should i tell him now or later because either way it's going to be an amazing thing but could i potentially make something that's going to be amazing as well his trip away a little bit worse just great just like a healthy relationship a lovely family very enjoyable stuff um, I agree with you as well, OP. I think that, you know, it wouldn't be as stressful this time. I'll try and put myself in that situation. Obviously, it's tough because I'm not a father. However, one day I may well be. And I think if I am to become a father twice, the second time would be a lot less stressful. I can imagine myself being a little bit like OP the first time, just wanting to make sure everything's okay, being you know on top of stuff, asking loads of questions, trying to sort things out. But I feel like once you've done it once, the second time, is a lot easier and you know more what you're doing so uh yeah i reckon he's gonna enjoy the holiday a lot my ex-co-worker told our department about my sex life so i told her boyfriend she cheated on him i used to work in a factory this chick was my age i thought we were cool i told her about a time i used a cucumber as a you know what i used a condom don't worry I believe that everyone has some wild sex stories and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Her and my old team would talk about wild things all the time. We'd laugh about it and move on. I quit that job and went back two weeks ago thinking I'd want the job again. I saw her in the break room and I didn't say hi because I was talking with someone else and I don't want to be rude. I quit that day because I realized I still hated that job. I'm assuming that's why she told the whole department, not just my team, that I screwed a cucumber. I found this out last night through a mutual friend. Normally, I wouldn't let this bother me, but the fact that she told the people who gossip to everyone after I quit struck a nerve, seemingly because she felt entitled to me saying hi. We weren't even that close. I put up with a whole lot of BS at that job and I'd be danged if I still had to after I quit. When I worked there, she cheated on her boyfriend who also worked there with our coworker. Everyone knew about it and they'd brag about it to everyone. I didn't get involved because it wasn't my business. I found her boyfriend's social media last night and I told him about her cheating. Now she wants to fight me outside of work and the co-worker she cheated with is mad at me for causing issues for him at work. We all warned them what would happen if they got together. The whole team is chaotic at the moment, which is what my mutual friend texted me. I'm sure that my cucumber story isn't that important anymore well there you go that is as fair as it gets that is the definition of an eye for an eye it's petty yeah is it justified 
100%. As the top comment says right here, living in glass houses and throwing stones is a dangerous business. I completely agree. Why would you do this sort of thing when you know that you're cheating and you know that the person that you're telling these things about also knows that you're cheating? It's so dumb. Obviously, easiest form of revenge would be that person telling your boyfriend or getting in contact with your boyfriend and saying, yeah, by the way, just so you know, you're being cheated on. How dumb are you? Neighbor blows air horn at dog and my brother has the sudden desire to practice his guitar on the back porch. So I've lived in this house for two years with my brother. The neighbors work nights and have woken us up every morning they have work. See, their driveway is five feet from our bedrooms. They like to take Bluetooth phone calls in their cars when they get home. I can hear these calls on the opposite side of my house, let alone five feet away through my bedroom wall. When I got my dog and she started deterring the phone calls by barking at them when she was outside, I kind of thought it was funny until the neighbor guy started blowing an air horn at her. The first time I took it as a sign that I was being a bad owner and installed dog bark deterrence outside. Thing is, this guy leaves his house to do yard work once a week and get the mail once a day. I bring her inside whenever I see him outside, but sometimes I don't catch her in time. The dog bark deterrent battery died earlier today too. So I'm relaxing in my living room and here comes the air horn. My brother got sick of it and felt a sudden compulsion to set up his guitar and amp on the back porch. 15 minutes into his impromptu concert, I hear yelling. I go outside and the neighbor is screaming at my brother that he's a jerk and he already spoke to me, a lie, and said that if he's outside, then bring the dog inside. He and the wife, who had been hoovering by the door, storm inside. My brother is considering practicing every afternoon when he comes home from work. Well, yeah, I think it makes complete sense. There's only one way to get better at the electric guitar and that is to play it extremely loudly when you come home from work ideally outside simple as that it has to be done look these guys know they must know that they're being inconsiderate and it probably works both ways right you know if you do work a night shift then i imagine that the worst part about it is trying to sleep in the day well one of the worst parts for sure guys if you've ever done night shifts let me know in the comments down below because i can imagine that there are a lot of natural disturbances you know life is obviously louder in the day as more people are awake but you would think that, that knowing that these people wouldn't be loud to their neighbors right in the middle of the morning when they're coming back from their shift right because they know how easy it would be to flip the script as we're seeing from op's family come on like the first story don't throw stones in glass houses so dumb you know what i reckon your brother should do listen very closely to one of the bluetooth calls and then make a song all about it and just play it to them see their reaction then i bet they'd love it ditching a family vacation in favor of going away with my husband Every year, my family likes to plan a big vacation together. It's usually my mother, my sister, my brother and his wife, my daughter, her husband and my grandbaby. And finally, me and my husband. We also have open invitations to other various relatives. This year, they wanted to do an all-inclusive resort in Aruba. It was settled and tickets were purchased. While I don't mind going on vacation with family, I have some qualms with the various parties who are attending. Let's start with my mother, who is up in age, but hasn't really taken the best care of her body. So she has weight problems that have affected her ability to walk. It's also led to sleep apnea. This means that she can't walk very far without taking tons of breaks and will fall asleep anywhere. 
which isn't a problem except every time we plan an activity that requires some level of physical fitness she discourages us from doing it and she can't take us having fun without her so we end up scrapping our plans and doing whatever activity she feels she can do then there is my brother who wants to go and can't afford his own way this leads him to scrounge off my mother to find a way to go usually it plays itself out as he says he is going his ticket gets bought and everything else is paid for and then my mother will have some sort of emergency where we need to help her out we basically end up giving her close to if not more than what it costs for my deadbeat brother to go and then we spend the rest of the vacation paying for him and mum through meals tickets to attractions and anything else that tickles their fancy now that you have some background let's get to the jerk slash revenge part as we get closer to the trip i get rumblings of my mother needing the cash for house repairs then my brother has to quit his job to go on the trip because the man won't let him off and my daughter and her husband booked the honeymoon suite as all of this is going down and we confirm flights accommodations and excursions i just nod my head and agree the day of the trip we all head to the airport and get through security as everyone turns left to go to their gate me and my husband turn the opposite way they start quizzing us as to where we're going and if we're getting something to eat so we can bring them some so i just turn to them and say we've decided to go on a cruise out of miami see you guys in a couple of weeks my daughter is irate and says who is gonna watch the baby while we enjoy our second honeymoon my mother is like who's gonna pay for this for her and pay for that my brother just looks dumbfounded like he just lost his pet and they all start to tell me how i'm ruining their vacation and i'm a jerk and stuff now this right here is absolute genius yes in this one moment i i have to say that you are being a jerk because you haven't told them about this and yeah it's tough on them however it's so beautiful and it's completely justified like it's so good imagine the look on their faces they have taken advantage of you for so many years now probably so many different trips and yet here we go right back in their face bang you're leaving them probably in the complete mud because they were reliant on you to pay for everything let's be honest that's what you've always done that's what they've always relied on you for what are they going to do now as you go off gallivanting enjoying your trip with your money good for you by the way they are just completely fricked and that is what i love to see a taste of your own medicine phenomenal stuff i mean directions to be honest just confirmed right how each of them individually plan to take advantage of you it's right there for you the reasons for you doing what you did were literally stated back to you as you left and did your own thing <laughs> so obvious like if you had any doubts about if what you were doing was right or wrong there you go confirmed you did the right thing phenomenal revenge creep learns to not ask girls for nudes this is an older story but something on today i effed up reminded me of it and i figured it was worth sharing so we'll call creeper kevin because he was an idiot and this concerns my older sister who i'll call susan kevin lived across the street and was friends with my brother his mum was friends with our mum, and we regularly babysat his little sister i think it started when we went camping we got him to go over and feed the cats and fish and water the plants while we were gone and when we got back susan found that someone had been in her underwear drawer and if i remember correctly there was a pair missing but we never really got any confirmation well don't ask how because i don't know but kevin had susan's phone number and he started asking for nudes susan showed our parents 
And the way they saw it, there were two options. They could tell his mum, and we knew that she would absolutely kill him, or we could screw with him. Susan chose that option. He asked for a hot pick. She sent him a picture of the stovetop with one of the burners on. He asked for a nude. She sent a picture of an ankle. He wanted more explicit, so she obliged. She sent him a picture of a thigh in spandex. He wanted more, so she sent him a picture of a nipple. He didn't ask again, and we let that brew for about a week. Then we told his mum, and she was ready to rip his head off, but then we told her what we did, and we sent him the same pictures, but this time, they weren't cropped. You see, dear reader, those weren't pictures of Susan. They were pictures of my bio dad. So that thigh in spandex was his hairy thigh in these spandex boxer things he used for his back. And that nitpick the kid jerked off to was a hairy man nipple. His mum was howling with laughter. She did have a sit down with him and she noticed that he wasn't disappearing to his room for a nap for a good long while. And his showers were much shorter. We're pretty sure he was traumatized for life and he never asked my sister for another picture. Once he asked for one from a girl that she knew, but obviously Susan told her friends about what happened and the friends sent him the same zoomed in nitpick. We never heard about him asking another girl for pics. Oh my, this is honestly, this is a hands on head moment for me. (laughs) Oh, can you imagine? Can you, like, sorry. Can you imagine having a fun time, you know, (laughs) with yourself over a picture that you think an attractive girl has sent to you and then you find out that it's a hairy man nipple how can you ever look at yourself in the mirror again i mean it's just ridiculous unbelievable and also the fact that he's then continued on asking other girls for news and has had that hairy nipple sent back to him again is so good look obviously the guy's a complete creep but (laughs) he is going to be traumatized for a long time imagine jerking off over over that oh it's uh it's crazy it really is and now for our final petty revenge post of this episode steal my parking space enjoy the fine me and my girlfriend started renting an apartment in august my girlfriend had a few weeks left of her job a city over and due to that my girlfriend needed a car since she worked late evenings it would be almost impossible for her to find a parking space close to our apartment at roughly 9 p.m since all parking spaces would be filled at about 4 30 p.m so we both decided to pay 90 dollars a month for the parking garage under our apartment after a few weeks my girlfriend started working closer to our home and the need for a car disappeared the lease wasn't up on the parking space so we decided to use it as a reserve space in case friends or family came over since the space is usually empty people started parking in it we usually would call parking security and they'd put a fine on the car but this time i chose to be nice a blacked out bmw was parked in our space and i found out who owned it I called them with the intention of asking them to move the car politely. The owner of the car was a 30-year-old man. I rang him up and he picked up the phone. Silence. He was silent for a solid five seconds before I hesitantly said, Hello? He responded, Who is it? In an annoyed voice. Hello, my name is OP. OP who? From what company? Oh, I'm not from a company. I just live in the same apartment complex as you and was wondering- Go the frick away, he interrupted. Then he hung up the phone. I then called parking security and 10 minutes later, there was an $80 fine on his car. 
I tried calling him again to tell him that there was a fine on his car and a tow truck would be there to pick it up later that evening if he didn't move it from our spot. But when I called him up, I got a very warm and pleasant response. Stop freaking calling me. And he hung up. Later that evening, I saw a nice blacked out BMW on the back of a tow truck. Oh, and a little update to when this one as well. One of the other times this happened, I took a photo of the car. I just remembered that I still have the photo. So I looked at the license plate and it turns out same last name as this new guy. I looked at the person and they're related. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, this is good revenge, but it's not really revenge at all, is it? If we're being honest with each other, this is just what you would do in this situation. Ultimately, you didn't even have to be polite in the first place, but you were, and he still didn't really care. I mean, maybe he's one of those people that just won't even care about the fine or the fact that his car's been towed. I mean, surely not, right? Surely it's worth just, you know, you've heard that someone's from your apartment. Are you that much of an arrogant idiot? And I want to say something a lot stronger there, but I'm not going to swear. That just says, oh, you don't care for my apartment, just F off. And then you get that same call again and, and you still are not like inquisitive at least, or maybe someone needs your help or something like that. Or perhaps you realize that you've parked in a space that you don't pay for or own. Maybe it's to do with that. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. And yeah, ultimately the guy's car deserved to be towed. What an absolute tool. It's funny. I'm just looking through the comments. A lot of people are saying that, oh, what a surprise. The guy's a, insert swear word here. He drives a BMW. <laughs> Tough. Do you agree? Get in the comments down below. I don't know about that. I don't know too much about cars, but I know that BMW drivers do have quite a bad rep but uh yeah there we go am i the jerk for giving a fake name at starbucks all right so i am a 22 year old man and i think this whole thing is ridiculous but my girlfriend is really angry at me so here we go i don't like giving my real name at places like starbucks and similar stores where they shout out your name when the order's ready i can't tell you why i have a normal reasonably common name that i like fine enough but for some reason it majorly creeps me out when a barista shouts my name through a room full of strangers I guess it's just some harmless quirk I have, at least to me. So whenever I'm at a store where they want your name, I say it's Tom. That's literally the name I use. Nothing inappropriate or outlandish, just plain Tom. I know I am meant when they call it as I always use the same one. So there's no confusion or anything. They yell Tom, I get my drink or my food and it's never been a problem until now. A couple of days ago, I was at Starbucks with my new girlfriend and ordered our drinks while she sat down. I gave them my fake name as always and when our order was ready and they shouted tom i went and got her my girlfriend was a bit confused and asked me if i went and got someone else's order which is fair enough so i explained the thing to her and thought that was that but she got really angry she says it's really disrespectful to lie like that and that i am making everybody in the store out to be creeps who will do something bad if they know my name which is not at all what's happening. I just don't like when they yell my real name, so I found a harmless way to get around that. But she can't see it like that. She thinks I'm a pathological liar who is way too suspicious of everyone and I need to stop. I really can't see the problem she has. It's really not that deep. I don't think I'm hurting anyone, or am I? So yeah, I'm really confused by her reaction and asking myself if I'm the jerk after all, for some reason I can't comprehend. So Reddit, Am I the jerk for giving a fake name? No, in my opinion, you're not. It's not as if you're giving a stupid name, right? If you were taking the mick and just trying to be funny and cool and trendy, then I say, uh, yeah, you are in the wrong because there's no need to do that. However, nobody is getting offended by the name Tom, are they? That's completely fine. 
your reasoning is completely fine. If you fully explain this to your girlfriend and she doesn't get it, then suck her off, mate. She's clearly weird. It's very easy to understand why you do this. And by the way, it's fine if she doesn't agree. Your reasoning makes sense. If she doesn't understand that, that's on her. Am I the jerk for telling my husband I find him disgusting and I want us to sleep in separate beds? My husband and I welcomed our second child four months ago. With having a new baby, I'm extra cautious about germs and cleaning. This got me thinking about my husband's shower routine. He would take a shower in the morning and go off to work. He's a chemist, so mostly desk job, but sometimes he walks outside from one building to the next. They're less than a block away. We live in humid, hot Florida, so of course that adds some inevitable perspiration to the equation. He's also a manager, so he deals with people all day long. I've tried to bring up the subject of him taking a quick shower when he gets home from work or even just before bed. He says that he does not need to take another shower since he showered in the morning. I try to explain that I don't feel comfortable with him laying in the bed because I lay our baby there sometimes and I feel like the bed sheets are dirty by him laying on them. Same with our comforter. No, the baby sleeps in a bassinet safely next to me, but during the day I will lay him on the bed while I do chores around him, like folding laundry, etc. I realize that everybody has their own routines, but I've washed my hair in the morning, showered and gone through the day. At the end of it, I'm feeling dirty, grimy, and I'm in need of a shower before bed. How could he be okay with having gone through the whole day and not feel like he should shower? I finally told him I'm not comfortable with him laying in bed dirty, so he should sleep in the guest room. I have OCPD, so it's really hard for me to not have things be the way I feel they should be in my mind. In my mind, it's disgusting for him to lay in bed dirty, but what do you guys think? Am I the jerk? Sorry, saying that you have OCPD is not a, that's not an excuse. That's just, that's, sorry, it isn't. A lot of people have that. That's not OCD. That's just liking things done the way that you like them in, in order, which the majority of people like. I mean, maybe I'm getting that wrong. I, you know, I'll have a quick look at what OCPD really is, but I would say myself that I have that. And you can't say, no, you have to have two showers a day because I have OCPD. That's insane. The primary difference is that OCD includes obsessions and compulsions while OCPD does not. That's kind of what I think. Like OCPD is more of just a, a preference, really. OCD is you you are characterized by intrusive thoughts. So having OCD is one thing. That is a, you know, a mental disorder. Having OCPD and liking things done the way that you like them, I mean, come on. You can't force a man to have two showers a day. I have a shower once a day in the evening and that's it. Personally, I don't really understand the morning shower banter. I know a lot of people do. You want to get up, but you want to get fresh for the day. Maybe maybe you disagree. Let me know in the comments down below. Really interesting discussion there about the, the benefits of showering at different times of the day. That is what I love to bring to you guys on this channel. But um, nonetheless, the way you've gone about this and, and telling your husband that you find him disgusting because he only wants to shower once a day. Yeah, pretty crazy. Also, why not just put your kid somewhere else if it's that much of an issue. There, there are workarounds here. You don't have to say, I find you disgusting, sleep in another bed. Am I the jerk for kicking out my girlfriend and her son after she invited her ex into our home? Me and my girlfriend, Sarah, have been together for four years. She has a son, Nathan, who is nine, with her ex, Mark. Sarah has full custody of Nathan, with her ex having scheduled visitations one weekend of every month. Sarah and Nathan moved in with me a little over a year and a half ago, and from my perspective, it was a little rocky at first. I've always been pretty protective of my space, so making room for two other people was difficult for me. When Sarah moved in with me, we agreed that the visitations for Mark would be held in our apartment as long as I'm home. The main reason I wanted this is because I don't know Mark that well, and I don't really want him wandering around our apartment without me there. When we proposed this idea to Mark, he was fine with it. 
Now moving on to the real issue. Three weeks ago marked four months since Mark's last visit. So I'd ask Sarah when he was planning on visiting Nathan. My girlfriend replied by shrugging her shoulders and telling me she'd ask. She never followed up with it. So a few days ago, I asked when Mark's next visit was and Sarah said she'd tell me when she knew. Nathan was in the living room but had apparently overheard us and shouted something along the lines of, Dad was here last weekend, remember? Sarah's face immediately dropped and when I asked what Nathan meant, she wouldn't give me a direct answer. Eventually, she ended up telling me that for the past two visits, Mark had been to our apartment when I was working. When I accused her of going back on our agreement, she kept telling me this was her home too and she could invite whoever she wanted and that it was fine because she was here and watching. I told her that was besides the point and she violated my trust. It blew up into a huge argument which ended in me telling her to get out of my apartment. She packed up and left with Nathan. Last I heard, she was staying with her parents. I've gotten several messages from both Sarah and her parents calling me a jerk for kicking her and Nathan out of their home for something so small. She's even been blasting me on Instagram and Facebook about how horrible I am to do this to her. It's got me thinking that I might be the jerk, but I'm not entirely sure yet. Am I? No, you're definitely not. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You had an agreement, a verbal agreement, sure, but an agreement with, with your partner and she's gone against it simple as that you're allowed to get angry at that like she's been lying to your face for a few months it's terrible form and yeah i kick her out too i think that's completely fair i really do i don't think there's much more to say than that i think importantly as well you said that it's your apartment that they've moved into now look, obviously you're in a, in a relationship and and by you saying that you are kind of you know cohabiting and it has to be their apartment as much as it's yours and well definitely your girlfriend's as much as it is yours but you do own it at the end of the day it is yours so if there is some sort of conflict and and it it comes to you as as to a decision as to what you want to do in terms of your living space and if you don't feel comfortable living with with your girlfriend at this moment in time then you can say sorry you need to move out like you can't be the jerk for for kicking her out sorry and look it sounds as if she can go to her mum's for a bit as well but it's not ideal she's been lying to your face for a few months Get a gun. Am I the jerk for not fighting for my daughter to be valedictorian? My daughter's school did not choose her to be valedictorian for graduation, and she is still salty about it. Her high school normally goes with the highest grade point average, but it can be between the top five students if one demonstrates high academic achievement, like winning a competition. My daughter was the leader of and won a national robotics competition, and being the top one to two students, she was sure she would get valedictorian. But the school broke away from their criteria by choosing a girl who'd been in a car crash caused by a hit-and-run driver. The girl wasn't badly injured, but her mum died from the accident and she went on to finish the year with good grades. She wasn't in the top five students and only took one AP class, whereas most previous valedictorians came from the IB or full AP course load. My son was valedictorian four years prior and also did full IB. So my daughter was really angry when she found out because she felt like it was unfair and also thought it was racist because kids and parents have been complaining that only Asian students ever got the award. According to her, the last eight years, it was always an Asian who had won. And while my daughter is half Asian, so is my son, the school was trying to find a non-Asian to appease the families. She said she would have been okay with the other five top students winning, but to give it to someone with just above average grades when the criteria was about academics made her feel like she and the other five, which according to her were all Asians, were discriminated against. I don't know if this is true and I understand why it's unfair and even agree with it to an extent. 
but the girl lost her mother and still finished the year with good grades and that should be recognized also the valedictorian has been made public and if my daughter tried to get it overturned it would make her look like a sore loser i did explain all of this to her and i told her that she was going to mit already with a partial scholarship and everybody knew she was smart she needs to accept sometimes that unfair things happen she was extremely angry at me for not going to the principal about this and my wife was also angry because she felt like the school discriminated against our daughter she's now in her first semester at mit and while she likes it she says that most people in her classes were valedictorians in their high schools and she feels like she was robbed when she worked so hard i thought she'd forget about it but she seems to still be angry and not as close to me as before. So am I the jerk for not talking to her school about this when I could? That right there is called life. Life is not fair. It sounds like she deserves to be valedictorian. Fair play to her. She worked very hard and I can fully understand from her perspective that it's quite sad to to not get this. And yeah, maybe it's a little bit strange that she's still going on about this despite the fact that she's now in college and surely you would have thought she got over it but move on to better things but, but clearly not however i can i can understand that she's worked very hard for something that she feels like she's owed and she hasn't got it and that's that's irked her but she's not the first person that's that's happened to and she won't be the last not just with valedictorians but in life i'll be honest i don't know how important or meaningful valedictorians are in american high schools you'll have to let me know in the comments down below but I mean, we have something similar, I think, which is like head boy, head girl in in school. And people really want to get that sort of stuff. But sometimes they don't, even though they deserve it. And by the way, the person that did actually get it, it's pretty astonishing, right? I would say they deserve it more than Opie's daughter, to be completely honest. Like, your mum was killed. You were in the car, yet you still do really well in school. Is that not more deserving of someone that had a nice, normal life? Their parents are still alive and they did better academically? I don't know. It's a tough spot, but I think for this argument, it seems reasonable. The only thing that I could say was that if you really wanted to, you could ask a question about the the Asian thing and the discrimination. I mean, I don't see how it can be, but who knows? I mean, we're missing context here. I think really your daughter is clutching at straws a little bit with that, but who knows? I mean, there could be more to that. But yeah, I don't think that's reason enough to say that, no, you should have really gone to the school and and protested and said, what's going on here? The fact of the matter is someone else won it. And that's, that's life. I mean, can you imagine though, if you did protest, how bad that would look? You're protesting against someone who's, I mean, I don't know why, it's it's not funny kind of funny as in like the the irony of the whole situation you protesting against a girl that did so well after her mum was killed in front of her about her being a valedictorian because your daughter got better grades how bad would that look so yes good thing that you didn't do that let's be completely honest and uh yeah as i said that is life entitled sister-in-law tries to take credit for large cancer fundraiser donation so context my mother has a friend that has terminal cancer she got diagnosed about a year or so ago and it recently went terminal she only has a few months left. So her friends and family decided to have a fundraiser in her honor to help cover medical slash afterlife slash bucket list costs, as well as help the family out after she passes. This lady is an amazing person. Everyone in town knows and loves her. She's a hairdresser and has been doing my mum's hair for ages. My mum has been a big part of the planning and fundraising for this event. There are a handful of this woman's friends and family taking part in it. However, most of them live an hour or so away. So the businesses and people they are getting donations from are not in our town and they don't know anyone. So my mum took it upon herself 
to call dang near every business in town. Family-owned shops and restaurants, chain shops and restaurants, travel agencies, insurance agencies, big places of employment, etc., as well as donations from the general public. She even got our local Walmart to donate. She's gotten everything from small items, gift cards, whole baskets, massages, discounts. She even got our local airport to donate two 30-minute airplane rides around our country. That is phenomenal. And the latest place to donate was our bowling alley. The guy who runs and owns the place is amazing. He also coaches both our high school bowling teams. When my mum called him, he said that he's going to take a bit to think about what to donate because he wants to do something other than just a free bowl or two. He ended up ordering two new bowling balls and is donating them along with two one-hour bowling parties for 10 bowlers. That's like a $400 donation overall, at least. So anyway, he told her last week when he called to confirm what he's donating to call back in a week today to check if it's in and if she can come and pick it up. She's been posting thanks on Facebook for the donators and telling them what they've donated to kind of give a peek at what the auction baskets will include. So she called today to ask if it's in and if and when she can pick it up. She was informed then that someone already had. My mum was not made aware that someone else was picking it up. She posted about the donation on Facebook and added in the group chat that they have for their friends and family. No one outside of that chat knew that she hadn't picked them up yet. So she messaged them all asking if one of them had grabbed it and forgot to tell her. But they had no clue what she was talking about. We thought maybe some jack wagon saw the post and decided to take it for themselves. I called the owner and asked if he knew who picked the stuff up. And he said... Janet. He said that since she was family, he thought that we'd sent her. My mum texted the group chat asking if anyone knew who she was. And it turns out that she is the woman's husband's sister. This sister is not in any of the group chats and hasn't attended any of the meetings regarding the fundraiser or the planning. The woman's daughter is in the group chat and is very active in the planning and the fundraising. She called her mum and asked if she heard from the sister and if she's seen the bowling balls or certificates and her mum said that the sister had actually brought them to her home saying that she had got this huge donation from the bowling alley. Now, none of the other donations have been going to her house. We don't want to clutter up her house and cause her stress trying to help plan. So the friends and family have been keeping the stuff at their houses until it's time for the fundraiser. So there's no other reason for her to take them to her house other than to take credit for it. I just don't understand why she would take it upon herself to go and pick up a huge donation that she didn't take part in without telling my mother, the one who got the donation, that she didn't need to go and pick it up because she had it covered. She took it straight to the woman's house without asking the group that's planning where we're storing the donations. And she didn't tell anyone that she took it. She doesn't even live in our town. She lives 30 minutes away. So she had to go so out of her way to pick this up. She took it to her sister-in-law's house, trying to take credit for this huge donation when she hasn't put in a lick of work for this fundraiser and left us worried that someone else had just taken our donation and ran off with it. Honestly, after reading this, I kind of would have rathered it be someone just steal the donation and keep it for themselves. This, if anything, is worse. At least if someone went and just stole the donation, you'd say, you know what? That's a real shame. Isn't it so sad that these things happen and people out there exist? It's terrible. However, what the sister-in-law has actually done here is try to just completely devalue the entirety of your mum's work 
and the the number of other donations that have been made from you know a, an insane amount of people it sounds like if she is claiming this as her own what does that then mean for everybody else who's actually done the work do you kind of get what i'm saying so yeah although i'm sure you'll get the donation back and that's unbelievable the fact that she has put this like doubt perhaps into the woman's mind into everyone else's mind about who's actually raising the money or what's going on here. It's crazy, like it's it's so much more selfish than if some random had just stolen the donation in the first place. Like she knows the level that your mum has gone to, like the effort that your mum has put in to get these unbelievable donations, yet she's still done this. The audacity, not just the program that I'm using to record this audio on right now, niche joke, but the audacity. I am at a loss as to what to do with my wife's request. My wife and I have been married since 2001 and been together since 1999. She is the most intelligent, thoughtful, caring, loyal person I know and I've always thought of myself as fortunate to have met and married her. She is, even today, aesthetically beautiful and men have told her this throughout our marriage. She's always shot them down. Now, earlier this year, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer, stage one, and had a full hysterectomy. I was never concerned about the cancer. It was diagnosed early, dealt with quickly, and she made a full recovery. I took time off work to look after her after the surgery, and all seemed well. There were some to be expected emotional instances on her parts, and although I am not an emotional person, we dealt with them together. After her recovery, she was insistent that we start living life to the fullest, and took a 10-day trip to Europe, followed by a trip to Belize. We also have a trip to the UK and Spain and Portugal later this year. Now I'm fine with these things, building memories and crossing bucket list adventures off of her and our list. I also understand that these are a result of feeling fragile on her parts. She also took up yoga, swimming and healthy cooking classes. I was fully on board until last week. Last week, she came home from work and told me she wanted a hall pass, a one-time opportunity for her to have sex with someone else besides me. She said that since her cancer diagnosis, her outlook on life has changed and she doesn't want to be handcuffed from doing things she wants to do. She explained that there's a guy at her work that she's always had some attraction to. He is leaving the company and she'll never see him again, so this is the perfect opportunity to sleep with someone else. She said that I could say no, of course, but that she would be mad and disappointed at me for an indeterminate amount of time and that it would be confirmation of my male toxicity and insecurity. I don't consider myself to be toxic, and if not wanting your wife of 20 plus years to have sex with someone else is insecure, then guess I'm insecure. I told her that I appreciated her talking to me about this, but approval via coercion is not approval. I also said that I do not appreciate her language in describing my, as of yet, unknown reaction to this very large issue that could affect the rest of our marriage and life. I got up in the morning and she basically said that she was sorry for putting such a large decision solely on my shoulders and that to help, she was taking the decision away from me. She booked a hotel near where her co-workers are having a party slash send off for this guy and she would spend the night there with him and hope that I would be here when she got back. That she would answer any questions I have about the night after it happened, but not before. She will not tell me who he is or anything about him because she knows me too well and that I will dwell and obsess over him and that would make it too real for me, which is pretty accurate. Her POV is that the less I know, the better, which contradicts the offer to tell me anything I want to know after it happened. 
I think she knows I won't want to know or ask anything or she simply just won't tell me Part of me thinks at least she's been honest with me and she's been through a lot since finding out she had cancer So maybe I should just let it happen I certainly have no concept of what she went through So I cannot dismiss how this affected her mental state or outlook on life Part of me wants to put my foot down and say this is not going to happen and deal with those consequences when they happen. Her BFF called me callous for even suggesting that I wouldn't let it happen because I have no idea what she went through. I find it hard to believe that she is okay with the possibility of throwing away 20 plus years of marriage over some guy that she's had no relationship with outside of work and that I should just call her bluff. Maybe she thinks similarly that I won't throw away the marriage because of one encounter I just don't know what to do. I empathize with her and then an instant later I'm angry with her part of me wants to know who this guy is. What does he look like? What has he got that is so enthralling for her? Is he just a safe option? Is he married? Does his wife know would I be a callous jerk for saying no? What can I do besides walking away? Okay now where do we even begin? Now, of course, this is best of Redditor updates, so we're going to get a lot more content here. But off the rip, I've got to say, what a load of absolute rubbish. I know multiple people, you know, multiple couples in which one of them has gone through cancer and they survive. And they don't just then go, you know what? Yeah, I've survived this. I'm not going to go around shagging like, you know, like a legend. They just don't do that. It's very abnormal. Now, the whole part about, about your wife ticking things off your and her collective bucket list is great you know traveling making her realize and making you guys realize that life is short it can end at any moment it's good to do things you want to do whilst you have the chance to do them completely fine until you get to having sex with one of your co-workers forcing your husband to be okay with it that's probably a little bit too far at that point i think how about just end the marriage and move on with your life it's just very very strange what, what I love the most, and by love I mean just c cannot get at all, is her saying, no, you have to let me do this because, by the way, I had cancer, and therefore you have to let me cheat on you. It's on you. Like, her saying, you know what, I'm just going to take the decision out of your hands. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll, I'll just take the decision out of your hands. Don't worry about me. It's so great. I love it. Nonetheless, let's carry on, and, and, and let's get into this comment which was posted on the original, which I think is really, really good. Kind of think this is the way your marriage will be from now on. With her epiphany, she wants to relive her life and she's going to do it regardless of your feelings. I think she's being rather selfish and probably only threatens this because she thinks you are beaten down and will simply put up with it. Perhaps not the best time for trips and frills. She wants a single life. Let her see what that means. I agree. I feel like, you know, obviously it's very, very tough for you. And I completely understand what you're going through in the sense that you say that one second you're like, no way am I ever going to let her do this. I'm going to call her bluff. Go and do it. She won't. And then the, the next you're like, oh, well, I do love her so much. And she did also have cancer. That's going to be very mentally taxing. Oh, by the way, I'm not for one second saying that I know what that's like or how it feels or I can empathize with that in any way. I obviously can't. But I agree with this comment, sir. It gets to a stage where you've got to just say to her, yeah, obviously you're not allowed to do this. I don't care. And also, what's your best friend saying about you can't not let her do this? She had cancer. Again, terrible friend. Sorry, very obvious. You just have to you have to call her bluff. You have to just say, you know what? This is going to hurt me, but go and do it. And if you do it, that's the end. It is weird, though. 20 plus years of marriage and that. Wow. Now, OP has actually replied to a couple of comments from the original saying this. She thinks because she'll never see this guy again and that I have never met him, supposedly, that it won't really affect me or our marriage in the long term. I'm left with accepting it and never viewing her the same way again or going through a divorce at 54. Not really great options on either front. That is a very fair point. 
I don't know where her head is and the bout with cancer is affecting her in ways that I couldn't possibly imagine. I don't think she believes I will leave. There we go. I mean, you've pretty much said exactly what I think there. You have to test that though. If she doesn't think that you'll leave, you have to actually leave and then see what her reaction is. Because then if she goes and does this thing anyway, you know that sadly, very, very sad and painfully, though it may be, it was the right decision for you to do that because otherwise you'd just be a massive cuck. Uh, and secondly, you have to test her. You just have to because she can't just get away with stuff like this for the rest of your life together because even if you do stay together, you'll just be miserable. So unfortunately, that is the only thing you can really do. Now, let's get in to the update that was posted just a few days later. I received a ton of advice that I couldn't possibly respond to. I do appreciate the people who took time to offer advice in the comments or via PM. It's been an exhausting couple of days. I was hoping that my opposition to her plans would give her pause, but unfortunately that did not happen. I said I am a hard no and I'm not sure how I will feel about you if you go ahead with it. I was met once again with, this is for me, it will be one time, what can I say to help you deal with it? You'll get over it. We were meant to be regardless of the situation. Remarks leading up to Saturday. Some of the most selfish words there that I've ever heard. Despite the fact that this woman went through cancer. At this point, I honestly don't really care. That's insane. So she left on Saturday ostensibly to meet her co-workers. But in reality, to screw the guy. I asked her to text me when she was leaving for the bar, and when she did, I asked her if she was really going to go through with this. After her response was this, I'm not answering any more questions tonight, I will see you tomorrow, I blocked my wife. Then, I did something either stupid or brilliant. I went to the bar where the get-together was happening. You know what, I love this. Well, not the bar, but a transit bench across the street. I waited for a long time. It was running through my mind leading up to this event that I need to know who this guy was. Maybe to compare myself against him. To see what he had that I do not. It was driving me crazy not knowing who he was and what was so special about him that she would ruin a marriage for. After what seemed like an eternity, a woman that I recognized from my wife's office left the bar and got in a cap. Soon, other people started filing out and a whole group came out and people were hugging a man and shaking his hand. I assumed that I had my guy. I didn't see my wife and I had a brief thought that maybe she had called it off. I unblocked her, but there were no messages. Everyone said their goodbyes and left. The dude was standing outside for a few minutes and then my wife came out. She looked around, took his hand and they started walking away together. Of all the emotions I went through, trepidation, sadness, anger, it was disgust that really encapsulated the event for me. This guy was short fat and bald all the things i cannot compete with ultimately i felt like a pervert for watching from a distance i followed until they got to the hotel and then turned around and went home i woke up sunday morning and put a lock on the master bedroom door i moved her things to the spare room and left a note asking her to find another accommodation as quickly as possible i visited another friend who's a lawyer and he gave me some sage advice and a couple of recommendations for divorce attorneys and made the introductions my wife has been calling me numerous times since around 11 or so. Once blocked, the calls go to voicemail. I listened to the first couple, but felt nothing but some satisfaction when she couldn't get through to me, and she was obviously becoming concerned. I didn't want to go home, but I left in such a hurry that I didn't plan overnight properly. I got home around 9, and as per my buddy's advice, I recorded the interaction. I was halfway up the stairs when she came up from the family room, asking what was going on. Could we talk? I thought we talked about this. 
I just answered with, I am not interested in discussing this tonight and went to bed. After not getting a response from me through the door, she left me alone. I feel kind of like a child for not talking with her and shutting the door on her, but I just couldn't look at her. Monday, I got up and ready for work. She was waiting for me and asked if we could discuss getting back to normal. I said, you've been doing all the talking for the both of us for the last week. Why don't you just continue? And I left for work. I have an appointment with the attorneys that my friend recommended for this week. And there we go, guys. That is the end of that one. I I don't really know quite what to make about this story because I feel like we've just encountered one of the most stupid women of all time. She is surprised when her husband of 20 years is annoyed at her because she cheated on him, not just with anyone, but with a, a short, fat, bald man. I mean, does it get any worse? Look, I'm all for short kings and bald kings and also fat kings. What a trifecta that is. Listen, if you're short, bald and fat, get in the comments down below. Are you this bloke? I want to know. Now, one thing I will say before getting myself in trouble is that there is another comment here that I want to highlight because I think it's a very good comment that kind of, in all seriousness, encapsulates my thoughts. Here it is. I can only hope that you've decided to do what's best for you. At the end of the day, you're the one that has to live with your decisions. From the previous post, it's obvious that your wife, and I use that term merely as a placeholder, has made her decision. I know that having something that has been such a huge part of your life end can be daunting, but sometimes it's for the best. And yeah, I think this time it absolutely is for the best. You clearly made the right decision. Your wife's dumb and she's also unfaithful. What a terrible, terribly potent combination. Good stuff, OP. Right, now our final story from this episode is actually one chosen by one of you guys. One of you added me on Twitter saying, do you remember that face tattoo story that I narrated about six months, 12 months ago? And I said, you know what, I do. And then they said, there's actually been an update to that post. If you don't remember the original, I will link it down below. It's probably on screen right now as well, the thumbnail or behind the eye button. Pretty much this woman gets a face tattoo and then wonders why her fiance is annoyed at her. Like, she doesn't even tell him. She just does it. And then it's like, oh, what? Don't you like it? He's like, no. To be honest, it's quite a silly story. But one of you told me on Twitter that there's been an update, and there has. Just a week ago, we got this update. So here we go. About nine months ago, my ex-fiancé, Kim, got a face tattoo without telling anyone. This was just the start of her doing everything she could to ruin her life. She broke up with me and called off our seven-year relationship when I questioned why she did this. She worked in a client-facing job for an incredibly large financial institution and was let go within a month of showing back up for work after getting the tattoo. I kept in contact with Kim's sister, hoping for some news. They tried to get her help as they thought she was having some kind of psychotic break. However, she eventually called the police on her own family, claiming they were harassing her. After that, I decided to just walk away. Now, Kim didn't just destroy her own life. When she broke up with me, I felt numb. I knew this wasn't Kim doing this. I wanted to believe deep down that Kim was always like this. Always this impulsive crazy who would ruin her life by getting a face tattoo. I tried to convince myself that I'd not lost the wonderful woman who I'd spent seven years of my life with. However, clearly the person who made these choices was not Kim. The woman who told me over the phone she hated my guts for not supporting her. The woman who wrote she hated me and only ever stayed with me out of pity. That was not the woman I asked to marry. That was not Kim. That was someone who I came to find out was having a mental breakdown. That resulted in months of bad decisions that will affect the rest of her life. The day I walked away and told her sister I could not deal with it anymore was the worst day of my life. It hit me like a train. The numbness and denial of what I lost hit me all at once. 
I almost quit my own job and moved back home to my parents. I can only thank my boss for being so understanding that she let me take four weeks off to deal with what happened. She and the rest of my team went far beyond what should ever be expected of co-workers and management that it makes me realize how close I was to leaving a job I actually enjoy. I never moved on from Kim, but I came to accept what had happened. I thought I was okay until two weeks ago. I got a call from Kim. She'd blocked my number and done everything she could to remove me from her life. My mind just blanked when I saw it was her calling. I picked up and it was actually her. We didn't talk. I didn't know what to say to her. We decided she'd come over to my place and then we talked. The tattoo is still there, but she's covering it up now with makeup. She says when she has the funds, she's going to look into getting it removed if possible. She's lost a lot of weight since I last saw her. She's not been able to find a new job. She'll probably need to move to a new city for that. She wasn't the Kim I'd fallen in love with. She was like a shell of herself. Something just wasn't there anymore that used to be. Kim told me what had happened. The year leading up to the tattoo was awful for her. The stress of everything seemed to pile up more and more. I respect her and keep much of what she told me secret. However, the thing that's important is that she secretly started doing methamphetamines to keep up her performance at work and to deal with everything. And one day, she just out of nowhere decided she hated everything about her life. She explained why at the time she wanted the tattoo. It doesn't really make much sense, but a lot of what she was thinking at the time didn't. And from there, she just lost control of everything. I won't talk about what happened after she disappeared, but it's not pretty. These are things that she did that will follow her for the rest of her life. It explained a lot, but it didn't make things any better. We talked for nearly the entire night. She didn't leave my place until almost 4 a.m. Since then, she said that she wants to try and get back together with me. She admitted she knows things cannot be the same, yet she wants to try. I haven't talked to anyone about what I'm about to say yet. I've held off on talking to Kim about it because it feels selfish. But there's something about the way Kim acts, about the way it affected my life, that irks me. When we talked that night, she said that I was lucky she cut me off. I was lucky I didn't get put through any of this. I was lucky that my crazy ex wasn't at my door screaming or showing up to my work and causing a scene. She acts like my life wasn't affected at all. I told her what happened after she left, how much it hurt, how I almost quit my job and moved across the country. Her response was dismissive. Like because I didn't go through with that, I don't get to complain. She acted like because I wasn't the one with a tattoo on her face, I don't get to act like it had long lasting effects on me. She didn't even apologize for the explicit and hateful note she left with my things when she returned them. Or for the phone call where she called me a manipulative, selfish jerk who only wanted her for her body or even just for breaking up with me. She knows she was wrong to do it, but it's almost as if she's acting like because she had a breakdown, I can't hold her accountable for what she did to me because it wasn't long lasting. I texted her last night saying how hard it was for me when she left. She ignored it entirely and tried to move on no acknowledgement at all. I don't know why, but it hurt me. It hurt me so much. I feel like I did back when all those emotions finally hit me after she left. I wish she'd just never come back into my life now. I wish I didn't know what happened. I wish I hadn't picked up the call because it hurts. But a part of me feels like I'm being selfish or complaining too much that I don't get to feel this way because I'm not the one who had the mental breakdown. And there we go. A pretty similar story to the first one, truth be told. Both stories have a man who's been so deeply 
saddened or I guess kind of even traumatized by their ex-wife now or wife or fiance's past doings or current doings. You know what I mean? But then even when that woman has come back into their life and you feel like both these men might just say, oh, you know what, despite all the trauma, I still love you. I'm going to get back with you. We can get through this. They both, in my opinion, make the correct decision and say, you know what? No, I can't do this anymore. What you did is truly ridiculous. It hurt me so much. And that's the end. And to both men, I have to commend them because I think they made the right decision. And I know in that position how hard that decision would be to make. So fair play to these guys. It takes a lot of courage and bravery to do that. And um, yeah, I would just say put yourself in their position if you can for a moment and think about how hard this would actually be. Obviously, for someone like me or you looking at this objectively, you can think, okay, these women are just crazy and stupid. But if you actually love that person, then that is a totally different conundrum. But yeah, as I said, I think they made the right decision. What do you guys think? get in the comments down below. I beat the heck out of my sister and sent her to the hospital. I can finally talk about this because all the legal proceedings have been dealt with. So I've been dating my boyfriend, Mark, for about five years. He is the best thing that has ever happened to me. He's kind, smart, understanding, and absolutely beautiful. When we started dating, he was a bit closed off and was afraid to initiate any form of intimacy. I at first thought it was because I was his first relationship and maybe he was nervous. But six months into us dating, he tells me that between the ages of 5 and 12, he was SA'd and R'd by his mother. His father left when he was around 4. It screwed him up in the head for a while. And when it got out, his mother was arrested and he and his two older sisters were put in the custody of their grandparents, who they lived with ever since. He was placed in intensive therapy and still goes to this day. He's come a long way and has healed a lot, but he still has some days where he gets really depressed and cries. Part of his therapy was exercising. So about two years ago, he and I started doing some bodybuilding workouts. I toned up a lot, put 20 extra pounds of muscle on, and he toned up a bit. Because we've been dating for so long and have marriage in mind, he told my family all about what had happened, though a less detailed version, and they welcomed him with love and support. Now for my sister, Sally. I've suspected that she's had a bit of a crush on him. She'll flirt sometimes here and there, but he never reciprocated and usually ignored her. I've talked to her about it so many times, but she didn't listen. To make a long story short, I'd gone out one Saturday afternoon with some friends to get some drinks and left Mark behind because he didn't feel like going. My sister had texted me prior to ask if she could borrow a few things from me, a sweatshirt, DSLR camera, and a third thing that doesn't come to mind at the moment. I said sure and to get it whenever. She went when I was out, unknowingly. When I came home, I found my boyfriend on the ground, crying his eyes out, and my sister trying to calm him down. He was having a panic attack. It's never safe to touch him when he has an episode because he may act out violently due to his headspace. Her hands were all over him and he was trying to push her away. Her shirt was also on the ground and she was only in her bra. I tore her away and asked what the frick she was doing. She said that she was trying on the sweatshirt when he walked in on her, freaked out, and went into an episode. However, Mark, through his tears, said that she tried to touch him. I asked my sister if it was true, and she said no, but Mark again said she tried to touch him. We have cameras in the house, and I pointed them out to my sister. Her face went white, and I don't know what came over me, but I saw red. I can't remember much because I was so angry, 
but I beat the heck out of her. I can't even remember if I was the one who called 911 or it was her through her beat up states. I do remember kind of snapping out of it because Mark was still going through his episode and I could hear him crying louder and I had to help him through it. It's all a haze. So I broke my sister's nose and gave her a black eye and bruised her ribs. She was in the hospital for a few days. Well, there we go. A pretty insane story to start with, but Opie has given us an update and some more context around this post. First of all, this all happened right before COVID hits, the end of 2019, and everything was just settled this last month. Now, this was posted on the 4th of March, 2022. So that's how long it took. Secondly, the incident happened in our kitchen. The front door leads down a hall directly to our open kitchen and to the right is our living room that leads to the bedrooms third we have cameras in every room but the bathrooms and bedrooms because we have a great dane named butler he's black and has a white oval patch from his chest to his tummy he looks like a butler who likes to get into everything so we set up cameras to keep an eye on him while we're out the cameras don't have sound recording four my sister didn't r mark but she did try to coerce him into sexual activities. And five, my sister didn't know I was out when she came over. I don't have the recording anymore. It was too painful to keep, let alone watch. Also, my memory of the whole thing is hazy, but the tape showed Mark answering the door. Again, our cameras don't have sound recording, but Mark said that when he answered the door, she told him that she was there to get my camera and sweatshirt. He said okay and let her in. He was watching TV, so he went back to his show while she walked into our room. She called out to him for help and the cameras showed Mark getting up to help her. I don't remember how long they were in there, but the tape showed Mark rush out of the room while holding his hands out as if trying to stop an attacker. My sister then emerged half naked while holding onto her shirt. Mark backed up into the kitchen, still holding his hand out, and she advanced towards him. Mark said he was telling her to put her shirt on and to leave, but she kept saying something along the lines of, Hey, it's okay. I just need some help. That's all. And... You're a nice guy. Just help me out a little. I think by that point, he was declining into a panic attack as he started shaking. My sister took that opportunity to hug him. She said she did it to try and calm him down, but the tape showed her kind of grinding up on him. He pushed her away and fell to the ground crying and screaming. She then got down by him and was trying to wave her hands through his hair. Her other hand was also moving up towards his crotch. I remember from the tape seeing Mark flinch backwards and trying to push her away. She always moved back closer to him though. A few minutes later is when I got home and beat her to an inch of her life. I can't remember who called the police, but the police showed up and my sister limped to the door while I was trying to calm Mark down. I kind of remember them asking questions and trying to help Mark calm down as well. They thought he was going into shock, so they put a blanket over him and the paramedics came. My sister was quickly evaluated and then taken to hospital. Mark and I stayed behind because by that point, he started to regain control again. I remember my parents showing up and asking what happened and I told them everything. My mum stayed with Mark and I while my dad drove to the hospital to see my sister. Mark and I pressed charges on my sister, emotional trauma and sexual battery, class A1 felony where I'm from. My sister tried to sue me, a misdemeanor charge, but it fell through. With the evidence we had, my sister was sentenced to 60 days of incarceration with a bond of $5,000. No one paid. She also had to serve 200 hours of community service and her name was added to a sex offender registry she can appeal to the courts to have it removed after 10 years she was also placed under a restraining order 
On top of that, my sister owes us $25,000. I got a small slap on the wrist and I have to do 50 hours of community service. Nothing too bad. My sister was cut off by some of the family and still is. Mark regressed tremendously to the point that he couldn't sleep in the same bed as me for months. He was required to go into even more extensive therapy. He's come some way, but nowhere like he was before it happened. It's going to take a long time for him to heal. I consider myself bisexual, but I lean more towards men while Mark is 100% gay. He finds the female body disturbing to the point that we've had to skip over full female nudity scenes in movies. My sister knew all of this. When I asked her why then she would do this, she said that she thought she could change his mind. I'm not proud of what I did, but I'm also not sorry. Oh man, there we go. I mean, what a story. You know what? I actually really, really like the revenge here. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. Two wrongs don't make a right. But I've read a lot of revenge stories where the revenge is perhaps meticulous or drawn out over a number of years. And while that is great, sometimes I do just sit and think to myself, if you've seen something happen, why not just sort it right there and then? And look, obviously you never want to be in this position, a truly horrible thing to go through. But I kind of like the fact that OP was just like, you know what, screw this. I am dealing with this right now. And yeah, it's my sister, but she's done a truly heinous thing and she deserves to be punished for it. What I absolutely love the most about the story, I mean, I'm saying love the most about the story. What I mean is what I love most about the, the resolution of this story, of course, is the fact that nobody paid the $5,000 bond. Not one member of your family paid that money. And a lot of the family now don't even talk to your sister. That just shows to me that everyone in the family knew despite the fact that this is family she's done a truly awful thing and she does not deserve to get out lightly but the fact of the matter is her reasoning there at the end saying that she thought she could change your boyfriend's mind tells you absolutely everything you need to know about this woman a truly truly awful person and um yeah once again i think you did the right thing what i will say is is on behalf of your boyfriend ugh, what do you even begin to say really if i'm being completely honest but all i'll say is I hope that, that he recovers well and eventually works through this with the help of you, your family, therapist, whatever. It seems like he's got a good support group and uh, oh, a truly traumatic thing. And I hope he gets through it. Now for our next story of nuclear revenge. This one, an absolute classic of the subreddit, posted four years ago and is one of the most upvoted, the most popular stories that has ever been posted. A friend set up my dad and he was nearly beaten to death. My grandfather got revenge on everyone involved. This isn't my story, but it comes from my dad and other family members who witnessed it. Background. This all went down in the late 1970s when my dad was 17. The area he grew up in was in the UK and was a stereotypical working class town. The part of town my family lived in was run down, full of poor families and had its fair share of crime, but it was close knit and everyone knew everyone. This will be important for later. Now, my dad wasn't the most well-behaved kid and he hated being at school. But aside from a speeding ticket, he'd never been in trouble with the police. He was, and still is, a really talented musician and had a very active social life. For his 17th birthday, one of his friends bought him a leather jacket with a very specific logo on it. We'll call this friend Dave for future reference. According to my dad, it was a rare and quite expensive motorcycle jacket. He was extremely happy that Dave had got it for him. Dave had bought himself the same jacket a while before, and it was a big surprise. My grandmother apparently joked that with the jackets on, they looked like twins, and she wasn't far wrong. 
They had similar features, black hair, and were both well known for being kitted out in motorcycle gear. A few days after my dad's birthday, he was leaving work as a bartender in the town center at around 10 p.m. As he was getting close to where his bike was parked, a gang of five men approached him from behind. The last thing my dad remembers was being smacked over the head and passing out as he hit the floor. These men beat up my dad with bike chains and a crowbar, literally to within an inch of his life. Luckily, two bouncers from a nearby pub heard the commotion and rushed to help. The men ran off and the bouncers called the cops and my dad was taken to hospital. It turned out that Dave had quite a substantial gambling habit and owed a large amount of money to people who you really didn't want to owe money to. They had threatened Dave and told him that they'd be looking for him to teach him a lesson. So, Dave decided to set up my dad to take the beating instead of himself or at least lessen his chances of taking it. He'd bought my dad the same jacket because these guys knew that that was what he wore when he rode. He then arranged for a guy he knew to find out where my dad left work and call up the loan sharks to let them know where Dave was. What a scumbag. The revenge. My grandfather and grandmother were obviously distraught about this whole thing. The first thought on my grandfather's mind was if my dad would survive. When that was answered, his second was how best to get revenge. A bit of background on my grandfather. He was a lifelong boxer and a career military man. He enlisted at the back end of World War II at 17, stayed in the forces through Korea, and then served in Malaya and Burma as a scout and sniper during the mid to late 1950s. He only reluctantly retired when my dad was little and worked as an engineer after his discharge. This guy was a certified badass, even into his 50s. And although he wasn't the best husband or father at times, he could never stand by and watch his family get hurt. The first move my grandfather made was to call up every ex-service buddy, bouncer, pub landlord, etc. that he knew, and even a few less than legit characters he knew from the pubs. In my town, word traveled fast and my grandfather was well-liked and had a bit of a reputation, so it wasn't long before he had the names and addresses of the five men who'd attacked my dad. Apparently, these guys had been bragging about beating up a defenseless man from behind. These guys were career criminals with violent reputations, but my grandfather really didn't give a dang who or what they were. My grandfather then called up a few of the most dangerous, hardened guys he knew from the service. He explained to them what had happened, and they were all happy to help. One night, the group kicked in the doors of each thug and beat them to a pulp, all five of them. They knew that if they hit one, the others would hear about it and run, so they hit all five of them in one night. My grandfather knew no one would call the police in the area they lived in. Talking to the cops was a big no-no in that area back then, so there was little chance of being caught. All five guys ended up bloody with broken noses, shattered teeth, and the requirement to be fed from a tube by the end of the night. One of them had to be put into a medically induced coma. Of course, the police interviewed all of them in hospital when they sufficiently recovered, but none of them talked, both out of fear of my grandfather and fear they'd be labeled as rats and nothing came of it. But my grandfather wasn't done there. My grandfather used his connections in the clubs and bars to start spreading rumors about why they'd been beaten up. Soon it had gotten around that these five guys had screwed up and had beaten up the wrong person. Not only that, but they bragged about it and lied to whoever they worked for about it. Not only were they physically broken, but my grandfather ruined their credibility so that when they got out, 
No one, criminal or otherwise, wanted to be associated with them. Once this was all done, my grandfather turned his attention to Dave. He'd specifically left Dave for last, knowing that he would poop himself knowing that my grandfather knew what he'd done. My grandfather, however, was much more subtle in dealing with Dave, as he thought that a simple beating would be too good for him. He waited and asked around, and it turned out that Dave was not only a compulsive gambler, but also had recently turned into a heavy drug addict as well. My grandfather found out who he was buying his drugs from, when he would usually buy and where. He had a buddy of his follow Dave when he went to buy his stuff, follow him to where he was living, and let my grandfather know. My grandfather then called in an anonymous tip that there was a huge drug deal going on at the address and he thought he heard gunshots. He got two of his buddies to do the same. The police investigated, searched the house and caught Dave red-handed with boatloads of drugs in his home as well as counterfeit bills and a ton of other illegal stuff. Dave was charged, denied bail and ended up pleading guilty to all the charges laid against him. My dad could never remember his exact sentence but it was definitely heavy at least 15 years. To add to that, Dave owed a lot of money to a lot of people, and let's just say his time in prison was made much worse by this fact. My dad never spoke to him again. His parents disowned him, his girlfriend dumped him, he struggled to get a job with his record, and when he got out, he had to move miles away as no one he knew wanted anything to do with him. My dad eventually recovered from his injuries, although you can still see various scars on his body from the beating he took. My grandfather never told anyone what he'd done until my dad asked him about it when he got really ill in the early 1990s. Dave's life was ruined and out of the five who attacked my dad, three ended up in prison later in life and two ended up dead due to crime. My grandfather passed away in the late 1990s and although my dad and him had their issues, it could never be said that he didn't look out for him when he needed it. Um... Wow, is all I can say after reading that. That was simply stunning. Uh, Goodness me. Even what happened in the first instance, what Dave did to you was absolutely shocking. Honestly, I know, well, this is about your dad, isn't it? I know your dad nearly got killed, but very clever from Dave to to set your dad up as him. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that, but I was kind of thinking that's pretty genius from Big Dave to do that. Nonetheless, your grandfather's revenge, just like chef's kiss, because not only he absolutely brutalized these five donnies that deserve that but he could have gone one further with dave but that would have been the wrong play what he did in the end was absolutely perfect you can't just let dave get away with one beating you can't and i I do think that the killing would have gone too far so that lovely little middle ground of absolutely destroying his life is a perfect solution so to grandfather i salute you to op your dad i say well very tough this happened but hopefully you feel backed up by your dad and uh yeah overall a brilliant brilliant story with some very very satisfying revenge karen preaches to my child my eldest is having a play date with a friend and her mum comes to pick her up i'm in my bedroom with streetlight manifesto playing and my boyfriend watching the kids he comes to get me saying that mummy dearest wants to talk to me about my music and rolls his eyes so i go and she immediately starts with the you let your children listen to such blasphemy and i tell her it's really not blasphemy if we don't believe in god she then gets so outraged that we need to see the light So I snap back at her. Leave my house immediately or I will have my boyfriend assist you in finding your way to the exit. I send her an email the next morning. 
Hi Emily, this is Famer. I'm very concerned about your insistence on my preaching to my children and do not appreciate you insulting me and my children, especially not in front of my child. I would very much like for you to keep your religion to yourself and your family. If you find what you need in your God, that is wonderful for you and I'm truly happy for you, but we do not share your beliefs and we very much do not want you pushing your beliefs on us and especially not our children, who do not yet possess the critical faculties to understand such difficult concepts. As a courtesy, I will refrain from playing atheist music while your child is over. I got a message back. Famer, I'm very sorry for my attitude the other day. My mother's currently in the hospital and I wasn't having a great day. I understand you have a difference of beliefs and will respect that in the future. Thank you for coming to me instead of just attacking me. So I think it's settled and I let my daughter go to her play date despite my boyfriend wanting to chaperone. I should have let him. When I pick up my child, we start driving home and I ask what they did and if she had fun. And she says, we watched a movie about Jesus. Luckily, my child already knows about Christianity and that they have their beliefs, but that we, mummy and daddy, do not share those beliefs. But now I have to figure out how I'm going to answer the but why questions from a five-year-old that I was hoping I could put off until she was better equipped to understand apologia and its critiques because I don't have any real issues with Christians or Christianity that aren't based in the logical failings of their arguments for the existence of God. I became an atheist because I studied philosophy. So I sent another email to Emily. Emily, this is Famer. Please explain to me why you thought it appropriate after our last conversation to proselytize to my child. Here is the response. Famer, I'm sorry. I figured you wouldn't mind giving you espouse the virtues of atheism in your home that I at least provide a counter to your blasphemy. Children should be allowed to decide whichever path they wish on their own. Emily, I responded. Thank you for responding. I will no longer be letting my child over to your house unsupervised and your child is no longer welcome over at ours unsupervised. I will be taking further actions as necessary through the school. I advise you don't weaponize your child in this and allow them to continue to be friends. However, should you fail this, I will seek a no contact order and go to the police to report your harassment. Any further correspondence can go through my boyfriend as frankly, you don't want my patients to run any thinner than it already is. His contact information is attached and I've CC'd him to this thread now. We haven't heard back. Well, I hope after that threat, I mean, it's so ridiculous that you even need to make that threat of your boyfriend getting involved, that that is going to be the end of that story. And it certainly looks as if it is. But yeah, overall, I will say I completely agree with you, OP. It's one thing having your own beliefs and your own religion. And I'm completely here for that. And as you said yourself, if you believe in whatever you believe in, that is completely fine. And genuinely, yeah, I'm happy for people that have their beliefs in whatever they believe in. It's all good with me. But once you start forcing and pushing those beliefs onto other people's children, Yeah, that I don't really agree with. Now, moving on to our next entitled parent story. Now, I will give a little bit of a warning before we get into this one. It's a little bit graphic, perhaps, um, if you're not very good with blood or bodily fluids or that sort of stuff. Maybe you want to avoid and just skip to the, the third story of this episode. But it's a really good story, to be honest, and a serious story and one that I wanted to cover and show you guys. So if you're keen... Here we go. My mum, a 41-year-old woman, believes me, a minor under the age of 17, vomiting blood and having violent diarrhea is because I don't exercise enough. I am currently sitting on the toilet writing this in incredible pain. 
Yesterday night, I was sent to the ER because my stomach was in serious pain. I came back with violent diarrhea and I ended up vomiting blood all over my floor. My mum claims that she cannot take care of it and that I should be able to when I'm literally pooping blood. She's been told multiple times for over a year to take me to a gastrointestinal specialist because I'm suffering symptoms of something chronic, but she will not take me. She believes it is my fault I am this way when I try my absolute best to take care of myself when suffering from severe mental illness. She took them saying that I should see a specialist as a F you I was right on her part and is claiming that if I just ate better, I'd be fine. She is aware I'm recovering from an eating disorder and before that ever started, I had serious stomach issues. Last night, I threw up blood and bile onto my room floor and I'm unaware how to clean it, being that the smell would most likely make me vomit again. It's a genuine biohazard, but she has forbidden me from cleaning it myself Saying that she doesn't want to deal with me asking how and that she'll get it But she said this last night and now almost 10 She's not remotely began to help clean it or tell me how to clean it I cannot change clothes because it's in my room. I cannot sleep because it's in my room I cannot put on pants because it's in my room and when I ask her to just tell me how to clean it She refuses. I don't know what to do at this point and it's gotten to a point that the pain in my stomach will temporarily paralyze my limbs and cause me to go unconscious. No matter how bad it gets, she always ends up saying that there's no way I can have these health problems because I'm too young. When she's the one that goes to the doctor for a minor headache but won't take her child to a doctor despite being repeatedly referred by doctors to do so. I'm scared for my life as the pain gets worse by the day and I'm barely even digesting food anymore. I cannot even drink water without risking my body rejecting it. Okay, so this is pretty much just abuse. Anyone got any, uh, anyone got any contrasting opinions? Leave them in the comments down below. I doubt it though. It literally is just abuse of your child. Is it not? Am I wrong? Am I missing something? It is. I mean, like, you're vomiting blood and saying, first of all, let's not go to the doctor or A&E. And second of all, let's not even bother cleaning it up, guys. Let's just leave it there. That was your fault. I want you to deal with it but I'm not even going to tell you how. Such good parenting. Ugh, let's carry on. Now for our third entitled parent story of this episode. How my wife ruined her mum's mother's day by treating her like a mum. My mother-in-law is an annoying person to say in the nicest way. She has extremely low self-worth and she compensates that by forcing the world to go around her. As family who interact with her regularly, we're forced to treat her like a queen every day, every minute. If we don't, then there will be drama. All the way from pouting, going to her room, fainting, leaving the house to full-blown breakdown, including saying, why should I live on this planet anymore if no one cares about me? Yeah, to see an old lady say she'll kill herself just because we don't give her a few minutes of attention is a bizarre thing to witness. So it's exhausting to be around her, but what else can my wife and my sister-in-law do? She is their mum, and they both try their darn best to make her feel special. But they'd also like to interact with her as their mum too, not just as some out-of-touch royalty. They would like to crack jokes, chat about general things and share their problems, not having to be constantly worried what statement might tick her off. When they were kids in her orbits, things were fine, as she controlled them, and that made her feel as though she was the center of attention. But now that they're married, have family of their own, and that she is not the anchor of the family, she started becoming more and more demanding that we perform some elaborate rituals to make her feel special. It's becoming extremely exhausting. 
So, onto the actual event itself. My mother-in-law and father-in-law have traveled to our country and are staying with us for a short time to help us with the kids, as we all live halfway across the globe. My wife planned an elaborate Mother's Day event centered around my mother-in-law, even though she herself is a mum too. One of those that included lunch and a popular ethnic cuisine restaurant. By the way, had she not planned it herself, there would have been a snarky comment at the end of the day saying, Seems like you don't care about your mum enough to plan something for me. I was waiting the whole day for you to do something. Anyway, morning went uneventfully as we've been pampering the grown-up toddler and my mother-in-law was quite jubilant. We go to the restaurant and I and our elder one go in to set up the table as my wife is bringing the others in, my mother-in-law, father-in-law and our little one. My two-year-old, the real toddler, decides to throw a tantrum for toddler reasons, but then my mother-in-law sees this beautiful garden in front of the restaurant and wants my wife to take her picture. My mother-in-law doesn't care about anything and forces my wife to take several pictures as my wife is holding a crying, fussing, and kicking toddler at her hip. Having basked in the glory of being the center of attention, my mother-in-law is satisfied enough and they all come in. My wife is ticked off from that, but tries her best to be cheerful. The waiter comes in to take the order, and right then, my mother-in-law decides to go to the restroom. My wife asks her to order before going, as the kids will get hangry if we wait for long. But the big mistake my wife did was she asked in a normal tone, a regular conversational tone, instead of a pleading or pleasing pampering tone. How dare we order her royalty on what to do? That was strike one. As me and my wife are looking at the bazillion choices and trying to order for kids, ourselves, spice level, etc, etc, we got absorbed into ordering without paying attention to the most important person. My mother-in-law wasn't the center of attention for two full minutes. How dare we? That is strike two. We didn't notice that or ask what she wants. She asked if they have a particular ethnic dish, which is a regular staple we have almost every day at home, like a grilled cheese sandwich. That too in an indifferent, meek tone. She was indirectly implying that she's just a nobody because of strike one and two, and therefore she was ordering some peasant food. That was our cue to realize our mistake, prostrate before her, beg her forgiveness, and bring the world back into alignment before things go downhill. We failed to notice that change in her tone, which was strike three. Instead, my wife suggests, Mum, we have that almost every day at home, so why don't you... But my mother-in-law cuts her off, saying, I know that. Are you saying I don't know that? And then storms to the restroom. We're all figuring out what the frick happened, and we finish ordering. My mother-in-law comes back and unloads on my wife how she has disrespected her. We brought her to this country, and ever since then, my wife has made it her mission to do nothing but continuously humiliate her, and then she starts crying. I quickly realized what had conspired, but my innocent wife, whose heart is only filled with love and not such evil games, doesn't realize drama that my mother-in-law wants. Instead, she's trying to understand how suggesting that the dish is a regular staple at home is humiliating. And my mother-in-law goes, you're implying I'm dumb and don't even know this. You have ruined Mother's Day. All daughters do special things on Mother's Day and here you are ruining mine with a few other delectable quotes. My wife says again and again, that's just a regular thing to say to your mum. But my mother-in-law is adamant that my wife humiliated her by implying that she is dumb for not knowing it's a staple dish we regularly eat at home. So she storms off to sit outside. Seriously, that was the entire discussion for a full five minutes. It was extremely bizarre to see a 60-year-old woman throw a tantrum and accuse her daughter because she said, it's a regular staple we eat at home. 
Now, normally we would run after her and apologize and beg her to come back and keep apologizing throughout lunch, which is what she wanted after three strikes. But this time we were so over this BS having been through similar ones so many times. So we just sat and ate in peace without an extra side of drama. But my wife was heartbroken. She'd done all this planning, wanted to be a good daughter, wanted her mum to feel special, and in the end has ruined Mother's Day by talking to her mum as a mum and not as a royal. So a 60-year-old woman started crying in the middle of lunch rush in a popular restaurant, all because we didn't give her attention for five minutes while busy ordering food for our kids. There are hundreds of other similar stories, but this is one of the clearest what the frick just happened. Honestly, guys, if I had someone like that in my family, I think I just have to retire and say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I actually just don't even want to be affiliated with you in any single way anymore. You are that annoying. Why is a 60-year-old woman acting like the youngest at that table when there is also a two-year-old there? I mean, whose tantrum was worse? Genuinely, the two-year-olds who was tantruming because they're a toddler or a 60-year-old woman's because your daughter asked you a question like, what is actually going on you just know exactly what sort of person she is like i don't even have to meet this person to know exactly how they function day to day as op said thinking the entire world revolves around them but just being so annoying and just like precious and almost like a princess i mean is describing her as royalty is absolutely perfect that is exactly how she thinks she is that everyone should bow down to her she needs a you know a taste of her own medicine i don't know exactly what that would entail if you have any ideas comment down below how does op and his family how do we let this woman or make this woman realize that she is so so entitled i want to hear your thoughts i had a male member of staff try to force himself onto another staff member a female she chose not to press charges but that didn't sit right with me to preface i live in a country that employs a large foreign expat workforce in pretty much every industry and in all levels for someone to move here for work they have to be sponsored by a company or the individual that's employing them i own and operate a small restaurant business here and employ more than a handful of foreigners as servers cleaners kitchen staff drivers etc so here's the story I was lounging on my couch enjoying the last of my weekend one day when I get a call telling me that one of our sponsored employees, a server, let's call her Janice, was picked up for indecent exposure, essentially. Long story short, she was caught hooking up with a guy in a private booth at a local restaurant. Basically, the police walked in on them whilst engaging in some seriously heavy petting. They were fully clothed, but the guy she was with, or practically on top of, I should say, had his junk out. It turns out he works at the restaurant two doors down from where she worked. After a bit of chastising and threatening to escalate the situation and have them deported to sufficiently scare their senses back into them, they let them go. But not before signing a pledge type document promising to never repeat the offense or else. A slap on the wrist basically and everyone got to go home, but it doesn't end there. That night, something clicked in my brain and I had the thoughts, how and why did the police find them in a private booth in the back of a restaurant before the restaurant's own staff did? So I called the restaurant the next day. I thought maybe they called the police on them immediately for some reason, or maybe the couple got belligerent when staff asked them to stop. It turns out the staff didn't actually notice a thing. In fact, up until that day, the police have never been to that restaurant before. And when they did, they simply walked in, went straight to the back boots where the two were sat, and they busted right in. I realized that this meant that someone must have seen them and called the cops on them point blank. The question was, who? I decided to speak to Janice. 
I wanted to speak to her anyway that day, both to check in and get her version of the situation. I also gave her the employer, you know you did something stupid chat, and I reassured her that she is keeping her job. I also wanted to ask who she thought called her in. Without hesitation, she said it had to be Sammy, who was one of our drivers. Why do you think it was Sammy? I asked. Well, he's the one that dropped me off at the restaurant that day. He might have seen my friend walk in right after me and called the police on us, she said. Well, that sounds a bit drastic. Why would he do that even if he'd seen you do anything? I asked. She claimed it was because he was jealous. He was really into her apparently and kept trying to get her into bed, she said. What genuinely annoyed me was when she told me that he actually tried to force himself on her once and she fought him off and that he hasn't tried or even said anything since other than being very short and curt with her. My immediate response was, why on earth would you not tell me or one of your managers right away? She said that she dealt with it her way and it stopped. Plus, she didn't want anybody to get fired on her account and she didn't want any interaction with the authorities. So she decided not to make a big deal out of it in the first place. She also declined to press formal charges against him, which I advised her to do. Her declining infuriated me even more. This guy was going to get off scot-free. Now, clearly I was about to fire Sammy, but in my mind, that was not enough. For someone to attempt to R a person, basically, and not get in trouble for it, that's not okay with me. But it seemed like it was something that I'd have to live with. Obviously, my next conversation of the day was with Sammy. My intent was to confront him with the accusations. I called him into my office. I didn't really know where to start, so I went with... Obviously, you've heard about what happened to Janice this weekend. He stepped in it right away. Heard about it, came the unexpectedly proud response from a proud as anything and positively beaming Sammy. I called it in. And this is where it started to get super satisfying. You see, for a couple of years since I met Sammy, every now and then he would pull out and show us all pictures of his wife, who was back home living with his mother. She was younger than him and quite beautiful, but sadly barren, which is apparently why she settled with an older fart like him. He was so proud of how pretty she was. He was also a devout religious man, or so he claimed. So I ask, and why call the police? He came back with... After I dropped her off, I waited to see who she was meeting because she's a troublemaker woman. When I saw the man walking after her, I called the police because I knew him and he's married and this is against the laws of God and man. I'm smiling now. I know I've got him. Why do that instead of calling your direct manager or even me and before even seeing for yourself what they were doing exactly at that? Why make it my problem and the company's problem what she does in her own time? Silence, head down, counting his shoes. Sammy, I know why. I know what you did. Janice just told me. I'm disgusted by you and sorry that we hired you. He had the audacity to mumble. I only tried once, sir. I almost slapped him. Anyways, I fired him, handed him a one-way ticket home, which was in four hours, and told him to GTFO. This is where I get my not-so-petty revenge. I had his house phone number safe somewhere from when we hired him. It was on his CV. I knew that because I called him there to interview him before we first hired him. I waited until his flight took off, and I dialed the number. I assumed either his mother or wife would answer the call, but I was wishing for the latter, and I got my wish. Hello, Mrs. Sammy. I'm your husband's employer. Well, his former employer anyway. Just so you know, I fired him a few hours ago and he's on a flight home as we speak. His flight number is this. He'll be arriving at this time. And just so you are aware, I was forced to fire him because he attempted to R a fellow employee half his age. I'm sorry. I said that and promptly hung up. 
but not before hearing her gasping in shock. Well, there you go. A phenomenal piece of revenge to start off today's episode. And I completely agree with you. Look, obviously it's not your decision if this woman presses charges or not, but you can still be really upset that she didn't and want to take things into your own hands. And if you're the wife here, are you not kind of relieved a little bit to know what's gone on? Obviously, she's in a state of shock at first, but after a period of settling down, I think she's going to be happy that Opie has told her what Opie has told her. By the way, I only tried once, sir, is absolutely crazy. Like, think about that. What even is that for a sentence? Former manager made my life hell and I finally got her fired. I was desperate to join a new job after my husband and I were both laid off last year. When I was offered a new role, I knew it would be a step down from what I was doing, but the manager and the team seemed great and that part hasn't changed. However, since my manager Gary was so busy, he basically offloaded me to another manager, Jane. I was supposed to be the connection point between my team and Jane, but it quickly became Jane micromanaging me. She would ask me to work through lunch, move or cancel vacation days, call me at 11 p.m. on weekends and order me around on phone calls. She would also make nasty comments about my weight and said that I was big for my race. The list of personal slights is so long that it filled three pages. I would talk back to her and she did not like that and that provoked her more. I only stayed because we needed to pay the bills. Finally, I had a mental breakdown on a Friday afternoon after she yelled at me for something trivial about scheduling a meeting without including someone from her team who I didn't know about. I was dealing with a family tragedy and I couldn't take it anymore. I told Gary about the situation with Jane and he was sympathetic and not at all surprised considering half her team quit. He immediately offered to move me to a different team under him and I was thrilled. Well, it turns out that going to the new team didn't help. Jane continued to order me around from afar. When I ignored her emails, she came to my desk one day and started loudly talking about how I'm not qualified for this role. Now, Gary overheard and finally told her off, but the verbal abuse did not stop after two months there i abruptly wrote my resignation letter and i also stapled the list of jane's offensive comments to it ceasing everyone gary offered a bunch of accommodation to try and keep me but seeing how she was still provoking from afar i said the only way for me to stay would be for her to go and he just didn't have that authority her manager was in a different country and despite several hr complaints from at least five people nothing was done. So I left loudly and without shame, telling everyone exactly why I was leaving. Times were very bad for three months. There were nights that we would eat slices of bread just so we could pay the mortgage and emergency expenses from a health crisis and a funeral. Even after my husband found a job, we were still catching up on bills and we still are. I spent months applying to five to 10 roles per day, sometimes over 20. Last month, I saw a public memo about a big shot from a former company joining the company I just left. Now, I used to work with this guy closely, so I texted him. Congrats, let me know if you need any insights on the new place. We had a quick call where I told him some ins and outs, where I thought they could innovate. And after this call, he asked me to join the team as his chief of staff. I accepted. Imagine Jane's shock when we had our first all-hands call. All the VPs and above were asked to welcome the new Big Shot in a giant conference room. In Big Shot's speech, he breezed over that I'll be his chief of staff, along with a few key names. I now sat two levels above Jane, and apparently, within the three months that I wasn't there, the other half of her team turned over. 
every single person left. Gary was excited for me and said all nice things. However, Jane took the classless route and sent Big Shot an email about how I'm an unqualified idiot, that I used to work for her, how I tried to get her fired, and that she suspects that I lied to get ahead. She didn't even try to be fake nice. Big Shot forwarded me her email and asked what this was about. I was so nervous and excited. Little did Jane know, I was a director at the Big Shot's competitor company under him and was already a level above her. So two levels now isn't a big leap. And I worked with him for five years. I had an hour call with Big Shot and told him she was bad for the company culture and was a nasty person in general. But the evidence he needed was Gary confirming that her whole team has turned over. My prior resignation letter, which was still sitting on my desktop when I logged in upon return, and a few other nasty emails she sent her recent staff, which they were happy to share with us. Big Shot fired Jane on Friday. Another great piece of revenge here. The only thing that slightly annoys me is that everyone knows that Jane is a terrible person, right? There's a reason why half her team has left and why I presume more and more employees were talking about leaving in the office, you know, people that worked under her. Why does it seem so hard to get people like this fired? You know, I don't have the authority. Oh, she's not done enough. I don't really care. Like if someone's a terrible person and nobody enjoys working with them, then they shouldn't be at the company. To me, it seems as if this could have all been so easily avoided by everyone just saying, okay, look, let's be honest, guys. No one actually likes this woman and she's actually not very good at her job. Simple as that. Couldn't you just do that? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something here, but nonetheless, a good outcome. I just feel like it could have been done so much sooner. And in that case, if it had been done sooner, loads of people would not have lost their jobs. Yeah, fair enough. You may have not ended up getting that amazing job that you have now, but in general, you know what I'm trying to say. A lot of people had to lose their jobs for Jane to finally be fired. And I'm not quite sure that's right. Try to steal my legally rented parking spot. Enjoy being unemployed. This happened last night, but I'm now in a good enough spot to actually post this. I'm not quite sure if it qualifies as pro, but it definitely isn't petty. I am a professional driver, and as such, on the roads in the US, there are different truck stops throughout the country that has a pay-to-park system. Usually about 10 to 20% of the lot marked off as reserved, with each space running from $15 to $25. The truck stop where this took place had parking for $17, which is relatively cheap for a guaranteed spot. The spots are reserved for 24 hours, starting at 4 p.m. local time and extending to 3 p.m. the following afternoon. I knew that I would have a late night delivery, so I came to the truck stop at around 3.30 and paid for a reserve spot. I told the manager on duty that I had a delivery up the road that night and would be back once delivery was completed, but should still be able to clear out the spot by the next afternoon, which is today. She told me this was fine and she would mark the spot as sold when I left. That way, if someone else comes in trying to reserve that spot, she could consult her notes and deny the sale. Quarter past 11 rolls around. I take off for my delivery. I don't get out of that facility though until 2.30 a.m. the next morning, this morning. So I groggily drive back to the truck stop to reclaim my paid for spots, only to find that the reserved parking spaces are all full. I call the manager on duty and after giving her my info, I inform her that all the spots are full and that someone has parked in a spot and hasn't paid for it. She sends her other employee out to start checking trucks. The culprit was from a company that is known for their bright orange trailers, and he was a company driver. The other employee starts banging on his door to inform him that he is parked illegally and that he has to move. Meanwhile, I can see the commotion from my mirror, 
with my vantage point in the fuel island where i've been instructed to temporarily park the driver answers the door with a bottle of heineken in one hand and some sort of smoking implement in another i know what it is but for the sake of the mods i'm not gonna say it i decided to roll down the window to hear the commotion and i hear the employee tell the driver to either move or he will get the towing company and police involved this driver is flat out irate that someone had the audacity to tell him where he can and cannot park so he slams the door on the employee threatening him the employee calls the police and tow company and the police show up first i'd worked for this company before so i know their policies and more importantly what they can and cannot have in their trucks alcoholic beverages are not allowed in the cab anything that isn't a cigarette or a cigar and a lighter also not allowed the coup de gras a pew pew of any kind absolutely not allowed and especially not allowed loaded this driver had all of that and some other not so legal substances in his cab so he was hauled away in cuffs his truck was hauled away on a wrecker i made a call after the commotion died down to the company's safety director and informed them that their rig will be in an impound lot and their driver is going to jail over the not-so-legal stuff he had in his truck. She thanked me and said that he will definitely lose his job, especially over the alcohol and the other not-so-legal stuff. I guess he played the screw-around-and-find-out card, and it bit him in his career. Well, that was just a calamity from start to finish. This guy is asking to be arrested. You can't be doing all this in the first place and then have a loaded gun in your car, be drinking alcohol, have some other illicit substances. I mean, come on, you're asking for it at that point. What is going on? It was just a matter of time, surely. This guy was on a, a path to prison. Simple as that. But hey, I guess he did save $17, so every cloud. Um, I'm sure he can use that in prison to buy probably nothing. I, I don't really know how prison systems work. Uh, yeah, my tip to this geezer would be only do one crime at a time. Because doing this many at once, yes, it's too much. It's just too much. They called me a baby factory. So now they'll never see me again. I want to say first, I had a difficult childhood, but not because of them. I was a happy kid who had friends and was kinda adjusted, but we were poor. We jumped across the US about twice and my siblings and father were all disabled in different ways. My youngest sibling and dad were hard of hearing and my youngest sister had brain and back injuries due to Chiari malformation. Look it up, it's actually a very interesting disease. Ah, it's a condition where the lower part of the brain pushes down into the spinal canal. Well, I must say that sounds truly terrible. But when things started really changing was when I was in high school, around my junior year of school. I met a dude and we were best friends, then we dated. Newsflash, he was a terrible person. It ended in me and my sister getting a restraining order against him and both my siblings seeing and hearing things about me they should never have been exposed to. I graduated high school even though I probably shouldn't have with my grades. I'm pretty sure my teachers just pitied me. And then after like a month, I got diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety and depression. Go figure, who could have guessed? I get on Adderall and it works great for one day. Then it devolved into me having all day panic attacks, vivid and extreme hallucinations, massive problems with an eating disorder, and an inability to control any emotion. It led me to backhanding my youngest sibling over a dispute involving the dishwasher that I still to this day would do anything to reverse if I could. I don't remember that three months or so period. I blocked out most of the memories because they were so mentally and emotionally taxing that just thinking about that makes me depressed. But at the time, I really thought that my parents were doing everything they could to help me through that time. 
They could have done more, but I reasoned they were working and didn't have all the time in the world to baby me, so I should handle this myself. Eventually, all by myself, I decided to go cold turkey and went through withdrawals which were almost as hellish as the actual meds themselves. Looking back now, I realized that the only way my parents could have been more hands-off were if they'd packed their bags and moved out. They didn't talk to me about anything. They didn't help me keep track of symptoms. When I attacked my siblings, they didn't protect them from me or me from myself. Now as a 22-year-old on new meds, my doctor just within the last month looked at my old records and was appalled because they started me as an 18-year-old who was very new to meds and sensitive to them at a dose for grown adults well into their Adderall usage. She told me they started me off at around 25 milligrams when she normally prescribes around five to 10 for new users. So they didn't advocate for me at all during this mentally traumatic time immediately after being traumatized for almost a year. They took me to a therapist who noticed I was writing a story with an obvious self-insert and very influenced storylines from my day-to-day life. When she asked to see my drawings and everything, the next time my mother pulled me from therapy, saying something I still remember to this day. I didn't send you here so she could ask you about your stories. I sent you here so she can talk about how your ex messed you up. She's not doing this fast enough. Well, come the end of summer, and even though I was still struggling with leaving the house just for a Walmart trip, they sent me to school for college across the state and basically wiped their hands clean of me. I went into survival mode. I believed my parents were right, and I needed this, so I did my best to fake it till I made it. I shouldn't have been there, but in the long run, it was what saved me. My friends I met there are some of the people who I've chosen as family, and I met my current fiance while there through friends. Funnily enough, I wasn't allowed off campus. Even though my parents lived about two and a half hours away and wouldn't have known otherwise, it took convincing from one of my friends to go about two hours in another direction, and that's where I met my fiance. My parents really don't like Connor, but they did like the free labor he did for them and how mature he was to keep me in line for them. Now they could pawn off the driving around and emotions on him because they never bothered to teach me how to drive or get a job or regulate my emotions. Connor could do all of that quite well though, so they let him teach it to me. But whenever the idea of him got brought up as my boyfriend, they would clam up. They did not want me to date anyone, not after my ex. I thought it was them just worrying about me after a traumatic period and I was grateful for it. Connor helped us move like five times. He did free things for my parents all the time and he was nothing but respectful the entire time he's known them. But eventually they moved to the same city I was going to college in and I was going through a hard patch again. COVID had hit at the end of my freshman year and now they were living here in my college town and I started half online school for my sophomore year. Living with my parents again was hell. I was used to, at this point, living in a dorm, and I wanted to come and go as I pleased. My friends got me rides, and I fought and fought and fought to get a job until one day I applied anyways and started working at a McDonald's. I was doing terribly in school. I didn't want to be in it anymore. Distance learning was difficult for me, and they weren't doing anything to help me. I was slowly becoming suicidal again, and I wanted nothing more than to find my own place. During this time, my dad was constantly working overtime. And one day when I was probably at my lowest, he made a joke that he was picking up all the overtime just to get away from you. I still remember it clear as day. I was mentally declining and becoming more and more erratic as time passes because I was spiraling again. And they just sat by and watched it happen while continuously judging me, making backhanded comments 
as I did. All the way up to this point, I was not known for fashion or hygiene. I was constantly self-conscious and didn't have control of my ADHD, so I was never one to doll myself up. But me and Connor were going to go on a date, so I grabbed my prettiest dress, some tights, and my favorite flats, and did my hair all nice, and I even tried makeup. I felt so pretty, and Connor was showering me with texts filled with compliments as he was on his way to pick me up. My mum and siblings got there first. My mum took one look at me and told me to go change. She burst out laughing and was hysterical over my outfits. She couldn't calm down, and the reason she was laughing is because I'm a big chested girl and I'd gained weight as of recently because my eating disorder was flipping from anorexia to binge eating. None of my clothes fit me. I was in tears, and I just put on my normal jeans and hoodie in almost 80 degree weather, and I ran to Connor's car in tears. They kept trying to call me back into the house, but I just had to drive off without speaking to them. I didn't stay the night at their house for almost two days. Mum spent that first night texting me that I was overreacting and that none of the clothes fit me. And yes, she could have been nicer, but honestly, I need to be realistic about my fashion if I'm going to attempt it. If you couldn't tell by this point, my mum had picked out almost every piece of clothing I owned. And because I wasn't anorexic anymore, she was very upset whenever I showed skin. Day-to-day life was getting worse by the day, but eventually I opened commissions. I posted it on Facebook for family and nobody replied but my estranged grandmother on my mum's side asking for an insanely difficult piece. I draw mostly pretty women in specific poses with pens or pencils and that's it, especially back then. But she asked for a landscape drawing of her childhood home and a realistic watercolor drawing that she didn't have any reference of and hadn't seen since she was a kid. It was easily worth close to 150 bucks, maybe more because I'm terrible with commission prices. But I offered it for 60 bucks. My mother asked if I was serious. I told her that one, I disliked this woman to the point of purposefully not contacting her for almost a decade at that point. And two, this was so far out of my comfort zone that I would have to learn new skills just to make it. And it's more than half off. Then my dad texted me asking if I was serious. It devolved into a peeing contest on who can be colder and how fast I could move out. I wasn't pleasant. I'll be the first to admit that I was mentally unstable and lashing out at everyone. But I was also still a child recovering from the toll of drugs that I was overprescribed and their emotional indifference during a freaking pandemic. I emergency moved in with my fiance, then boyfriend and our friend who introduced us and I didn't speak to them for a week. This is the beginning of their pattern that they pull literally to this day, regardless of the situation. They finally texted me back after about a week, week and a half, and acted as if nothing had happened. They hadn't kicked me out, I hadn't fought with them for days at that point, and we hadn't exchanged some of the meanest glances and short phrases of our lives to each other. They wanted to talk about the football game and trivial things in their lives. I didn't know what else to do. It was my family and they were giving me the pass to be let back in after I'd mentally prepared myself to be shunned forever at this point. Of course, I took the olive branch. Maybe we'd speak about this in the future and laugh at how stuck up we'd been. It could all change for the better, maybe. Me and my fiance lived there for a year or so before we contemplated moving to the town we'd met in and he grew up in. His whole family was there and our current apartment was crawling with drug dealers, people stalking us for his old car and people taking poops in the hallway. Sounds lovely. 
It was only an idea at that point, nothing concrete. But when I floated the idea to my dad one day when he was driving me home, he went on a rant about how I would become a baby factory for Connor if I moved away from my support system and his family would turn me into their pawn because I was frankly too mentally weak of a person to not be swayed by them. This is your own father saying this to you. Wow. He went on for a long time and dumped a lot of info and at random talked about how he kind of regretted having me and my siblings because he had us so young and he regrets moving across the country like we did because of money problems. I asked him if he just told us that he regrets having us and living in this state and he went, I did not just say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I went into my apartment and sobbed for a good few hours. Connor was fuming, but was optimistic because at least he was talking. We both wrote off the bad parts and tried to move forward, hoping that this meant that he'd be open to talking more often in the future. We moved to my fiance's old home and things were fine for a while. The longer I didn't live next to my family, the more I realized that I mentally couldn't handle them anymore. They'd been so mean and gaslighting. Slowly but surely, I was feeding my parents an info diet and I was placing my boundaries. There were a lot of mean-spirited comments thrown my way They used Connor for more labor during this time than keeping him at arm's length and refusing to acknowledge that we were serious and looking to move in together. Nothing of significance happened for about a year and a half until within the last year. So it's 2022 now and me and Connor have lived together for most of the three or so years we've been together. We're living in our own home. I'm working two jobs and we're both happy. Stressed, but happy. Mum texts in our group chat that she wants me to give up my jobs and move back to their town to become a mailman like my dad. She swears that it's a government job with government pay and benefits and it's the best I can do as a college dropout who's working two jobs. I replied back that I was making almost $1,300 a paycheck with both jobs and I just moved into my house and that the town she lived in was absolutely terrible. Remember my old apartments? That's all that's available there. And I wasn't keen on moving back now that I lived in a three bed house that's completely quiet and all my own. Well, she responds by calling me four times in one day, spam texted the group chat and spams my DMs, sending Connor multiple texts and then calling me again. I spent two days ignoring her before I finally replied. I answered her calls and she spent almost the entire time during a 15 minute call that I put on speakerphone for Connor to listen to quietly, trying to manipulate me by calling me again a college dropout and telling me that I'm not happy there. I'm so far away from family and there's no point in living there, especially since my jobs were working me to death and they had nowhere near the benefits that this mail carrier job has as a government job. I didn't have the hearts or the verbal space to tell her that the US Postal Service is in fact not a government identity. It was privately owned. I did though tell her that all of those benefits I wouldn't need until I was 26 anyway. I had all of the supposed benefits from my dad also having the same job. She though glossed over that and talked over me to try and explain how miserable I was in that town. I told her I had to go and I hung up. Thanksgiving comes. My entire extended aunts and uncles on my dad's side come and stay with us. Things are looking good and I'm having fun with my family for once. Then I overheard my mum whispering to my uncle that her entire personality is just Connor. She's got no semblance of self anymore and she even moved away to just become Connor's girl. My uncle didn't react or say anything, but I had to hide away to compose myself because I almost went nuclear and lost my mind. 
Okay, another time skip, and now we're in the present and getting closer to the end of our story. Connor proposed to me the day before Christmas Eve, surrounded by his incredibly loving family, by putting my ring in my stocking, and it was beautiful. The first person I called was my best friend, and then the second was my mother. It was close to 1 a.m. around this time, and I got her on the phone. I told her I knew it was late, but I was engaged. She told me, though, in no uncertain terms. Honey, that's amazing, but don't text in the family group chat or anything because your dad's asleep and he has to get up at 5 a.m. Congrats, I'm going back to bed. Neither of them contacted me about my engagement for almost a week until I went back for their Christmas. I went with my best friend and the entire time my family talked down to me. They misremembered my size and instead of apologizing, they insisted that I didn't know my size and that I was indeed an XXL. I'm a medium to large. And they started the night off by mum mentioning my engagements only once. It started off with my mum suddenly in the middle of things going good and everyone laughing. She starts cackling and goes, Oh, your dad and his friend had the funniest thing to say about your engagement. Dad, show her the text. Dad just smiles and he starts giggling too. My siblings laugh along with them. Dad says, Oh, Amir just thought it was nuts that you were engaged because you're so young. I asked to see the text. Maybe I misunderstood him. There had to be something funny based on their reactions because that was very much not funny at all, especially when I had my best friend sitting right there, listening. If anything, that was embarrassing. I read the text and it goes something like this. Dad's friend says, Dude, she's engaged? That's nuts. She's too young and she's going into this way too quickly. Dad replies, I know. I'm upset and struggling right now because my kids are all forcing themselves to grow up when they aren't ready to. And it's hard to stand by and watch them crash and burn like they inevitably will and do nothing about it. I just smiled because while they all laughed and giggled about how funny that was, I was struggling to not burst into tears and scream at them. My friend pulled me aside and asked multiple times if we should leave. At the time, I was using their car. But I told her, no, I was going to play nice until I could give it back. And then once it was in their hands again, I was going to go no contact. Connor was supposed to come down and see them and spend Christmas with them, but he couldn't face them knowing that this is what they willingly showed us, especially after Thanksgiving. After this, I bought a car, my first car that's all mine, and I got their car back to them just last week. I'm putting my life together. I'm learning how to do the beginning of adult things well past when I should have. I learned to drive, pay bills, budget and spend, and how to exist all from my fiance. I had to forcibly teach myself how to manage my own mental health with the help of my fiance and friends. I'm done making up excuses as to why I need them in my life. I don't want to deal with the body shaming, the classist behavior, the looking down on Connor for no reason. I can't handle it anymore. I called my uncle, the one from Thanksgiving, and explained to him my decisions, and he immediately told me he supports me and that my parents don't know how to treat us like adults, that I'm not a screw-up, and that was the first time in my life that I realized my parents had conditioned me into thinking I was, in fact, a screw-up. So, mum or dad, or anyone in the family, if you find this, these are the reasons why I blocked everyone's numbers and deleted Messenger why me and connor have our statements and info ready for you when you send a welfare check to tell them to leave us alone i'm gonna get married and you won't be there i won't let you be there if i have a child you won't see them 
I don't care how much you cry and make me feel like I did something wrong. I am not a bad person for being screwed up, and the things you hold over my head were things I did as a drugged up child, a child that you should have protected and should have protected my siblings from. Screw you and screw all of your attempts at communication that you never did, but say you have. Thank you to anyone who read this. I really just needed to yell. When they eventually find out that I cut them off because I gave them no warning beforehand, I just dipped after the car was no longer in my hands, they're gonna freak out. If anything memorable happens, I'll make an update, but probably not. Well, guys, good news. There is, and I mean, I say good news. Sorry, I've got to stop myself there. Is it good news? I'm pretty much saying there is an update and we're going to get straight into it after I give my immediate comments on what I've just read, which was absolutely bamboozling. But hey, listen, if you're on YouTube, comment down below. Is it good news there's an update for us? I mean, is that a bit weird, almost predatory? kind of preying on someone's downfall on OP's mishaps and their horrible family coming back into their life so we get an extended episode and more of a story. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I stand on it. But anyway, we're going to get into the update in just a second. However, I need to just talk about that story for, for just a hot minute because I can't believe the level of... I don't even know the word to use there because there are so many potential words. We can go with entitled, but that just seems far too basic. I think just malicious manipulative, downright awful, 100% narcissistic, heathens? That is just a few words I would use to describe your horrible parents. What an absolute disgrace they are. Now, what I will say, and obviously I'm saying this before we get into the update, it looks as if you have, by this point in your life, pretty much gotten rid of them. You say right at the end there that they're not even going to know what's hit them, and you have pretty much sack them off. They're not going to go to your wedding, not going to meet your child, and that is amazing. The best revenge is a life well lived. And look, you just know for sure that if they see you, you know what, it doesn't even matter. I was going to say, you know, they're going to be jealous and they're going to be like, oh, we made such a mistake. But ultimately, you're not even going to care about that because you're going to be doing your own thing and forgetting about how toxic those people are. And it sounds like you're on the path of that, which is truly amazing. However, as I said, there is an update and I really hope that things continue on in a good vein. I haven't read ahead, so I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm pretty nervous, to be honest. I hope it's good. Anyway, here is that update. Let's get into it. Hi again, everyone. It's been about a month since my 2am pity party. I want to say thank you for the overwhelming support that I received on my other post. Especially the person who mentioned that my parents were fine with abusing me, but not my siblings, since they were physically unwell rather than mentally unwell like me. That one hit home probably harder than any other comment. I didn't think of it that way, but honestly, it was something someone probably should have said. I'd like to apologize for how rambly and long the last post was. I was in the middle of a panic attack and I've been ignoring calls and texts from them for days. I felt like a horrible person and was gaslighting myself into almost going into contact with them again. Oh my gosh, OP, that's awful. The post was more for myself to understand and write out all the mean things they've done so that I could look back and be like, wow, they really reduced me to that. Ha. Huh. But for the actual update, I returned their car to them and after that, I vanished. I blocked all of my family's phone numbers, but left my siblings unblocked and open on all social media. I didn't want their numbers to be used to contact me unless it was actually them. Their numbers have since been unblocked. My parents didn't really notice at first. I got a text from mum saying that she was trying as hard as she could. I was just pulling away and she doesn't know why. I might post some of the screenshots of my conversations with them sometime in the future so you can all marvel at how self-centered they are. 
it was mostly mum for a bit, nothing really from dad. Then one day she texts that she was going to give me space because I wasn't talking to them for some reason and she ceased all contact after that. It was quiet for about a week. Then dad started calling me. My phone shows me the caller ID and the time they called, but blocks the call itself. So I got to see almost every morning for about a week or so that I had a missed call from him. Then he started texting me and he tried to use the age old tactic of intimidation to get me to talk to him. It was mostly just, you better answer the phone right now. Then he'd call a bunch, but he finally sent a text about a week ago being cryptic about how I wouldn't know about stuff till after it happened. And if I was going to act like a child, these were the consequences. I kind of just rolled my eyes and didn't respond. It turns out after skimming the family group chat, he's been diagnosed with pretty bad carpal tunnel syndrome in both of his hands and a severe lower back injury they've yet to figure out. He also suffers from a myriad of other illnesses right now, but he still forces himself to work 60 plus hours a week as a postal carrier. So I don't know what he expects. To be honest, this might make me a bad person, but I didn't really care. If it had been about my siblings, I would have probably jumped on the phone and been freaking out. But I don't really hold any feelings besides resentment, confusion, and anger with my parents. So this news didn't really faze me. I don't blame you. In better news, Connor has received a few raises due to county regulations being changed, and I now also have a job with the county. I'll be moving on to my own insurance and finally moving on to it without worrying about contact. I also learned right about that time that my parents had taken out five different loans in my name to pay for college, all varying up to about $12,000. They did not explain this with me at all and had apparently been paying them all for the last three years. So I have credit, I guess, when I thought I didn't. So yippee. I have to figure out a way to transfer it into my name and figure out the logistics. But yeah, that's a thing now. My siblings haven't contacted me. The middle one is incredibly angry with my behavior and wants me to contact my mum at least. I've just avoided the topic with her. My other sibling, I can't honestly tell you how they feel, but they apparently plan to move to a big city about four hours away for college in the coming years. So let's hope they go through the same transformation I did. And that's honestly about it. Lots of weird texts that they did nothing but stress themselves out with and my financial situation is looking up. We also bought a dog recently. Her name is Mandy and our other dog Copper is still getting used to her. So my days are occupied mostly with taking care of a German shepherd puppy who body slams me awake at 6 a.m. every day. I hope everyone has a great day and thank you all again for the wonderful and supportive comments on my last post. Phew, sigh of relief from me because let me tell you, I was very concerned that we were gonna get a very long and horrible update, but that is pretty good. As you say, hopefully at some point soon, your siblings will see the light, maybe when they get to the stage of your life that you were in. I mean, as you mentioned, your parents gaslit you for so long, you actually thought that you were the problem. It wouldn't surprise me if your siblings are feeling the same way or at least the same way about you. Imagine having your parents telling you, you know, for years, this sibling is disgusting, only to then realize later on in life that actually no, they were just actually gaslighting that sibling the entire time. And I've been thinking the wrong thing because of my parents, all those years i've been influenced in the worst way possible i would not blame your siblings if they had that mindset until they move out and realize what's really going on as for you op i've just got to say how strong and yeah you might say it's a bit cringy guys i don't really care right elite from op just put yourself in that position and maybe some of you watching and listening right now are or at least were in that position in your childhood and teenage years i for one 
I'm not sure if I'll be able to cope. Maybe it just becomes your reality and you can deal with it. But going through all the stuff that OP went through and coming out of it like this is pretty unbelievable. I've got to say. Mama Karen wants entitled brat to ring the bell because she deserves it. For those of you unfamiliar with a cancer ward or clinic where chemo is administered, and I pray you always will be, there is a little brass bell. This bell is a symbol of hope for all. It marks the end of treatments and the ringing in of the new chapter, hopefully cancer-free. For me, I vomited right before I rang the bell because the anxiety of the unknown was almost as bad as chemo itself. But that's another story. Today, it was Heather's real name. She gave me permission turn to ring the bell. Heather is a really lovely lady. She's 58 with stage two ovarian cancer. She had a hysterectomy followed by chemo. Heather's diagnosis is great, but she's had it rough. During the hysterectomy, she almost bled out due to undiagnosed complications. This left her hospitalized for over three weeks, delaying her treatment by over a month and left her fearing the worst. Heather really is the most lovely woman you could meet. She's the grandma everyone wants to have, but is kind of glad they don't. She's funny and loving, but can give you a look that makes you back away like you're staring down a hungry grizzly. Everyone that interacts with Heather loves her. And honestly, the woman saved my sanity on more than one occasion during my treatments. Another thing that may differ from ward to ward is the chemo room. Patients in ours sit in a little oval room that's like a giant lounge with comfy chairs and a little TV. There are drinks and biscuits off to one side and room enough for 10 patients and up to two visitors. As I was leaving my appointment, I saw Heather's daughter who informed me today was the day. So I decided to stick around to see her ring the bell and read it. I'm so glad I did. A couple of weeks ago, a new patient joined the group. We will call him Sam. Sam seems like a relatively nice older gentleman with an absolutely awful excuse of a daughter and grandchild. In the limited interactions I've had with these two entitled brats, I've seen the daughter stealing biscuits off people currently hooked up to chemo machines and the mother screaming at nurses for reprimanding the child when she attempted to rip the cannulas out of a patient's arm. Wow. Genuinely no idea why they've not banned the mega monster and her little braticus. Like I said, today was Heather's turn though to ring the bell. Unlike some places where the bell is on the wall, our unit has a little old-fashioned wooden brass bell that the nurses keep behind the desk 90% of the time. Today, just as Heather was getting ready to hopefully walk out for the final time, the nurse brought the bell over to the little side table. At first, the little fallen angel didn't notice the bell. She was too busy attempting to crush the souls of the elderly and infirmed by playing her switch. Not loud enough to be kicked out, but just loud enough to be annoying as all holy hellfire. But at least she was distracted. Once Heather was ready, the nurse stood by the little side table and made a short speech about Heather and her final date of the journey. Just as the speech was wrapping up, the tiny terror shot out of nowhere, almost knocking Heather to the ground. She reached up and grabbed the bell. Now, Heather being the no-nonsense, badass granny she is, took the bell out of baby Beals Bub's hands and firmly but gently said, No, honey, that isn't for you. It's not a toy. My God, did that unleash some kind of mythological demon because the screech that child released at being told no was loud enough to shatter glass. She lunged at Heather, trying to grab the bell from her hand, while mother thinks she's superior, stood up screaming. You can't do that. She's an innocent child. What kind of disgusting woman takes a toy from an innocent child? You're a B word, C word, W word, etc. Give her back the bell. You don't need it. She deserves it more. It was a lot. 
It wasn't even a conversation. I'm pretty sure she just growled it all in one breath. The harpy screeches went on for about 30 seconds of just incomprehensible nonsense. Bertha Big Mac waddled her way over to Heather to take the bell from her, but Heather just did not have time for her shiz. Heather's got a bell to ring and a life to live. So as the rampaging rhino gets up to Heather, Heather goes heathen on her. She looks this entitled mama dead in the eye and says, your father must have been, insert the name of a certain World War II German political leader, in a past life to be lumped with such a sorry excuse for a daughter. Well, this took everyone by surprise as there was a brief pause before Heather unleashed everything she'd been dying to say to this Cerberus. Do you have any idea how exhausting it is to finish a round of treatment with you and your obnoxious brat around making everyone's lives miserable? I know God's testing us, but my God, we already have cancer. Now he's saddling us with you too? You're disgusting. You're entitled, you're selfish, you're poorly behaved, and your child is just as awful as you are. And I hate saying that about an innocent child, but my God, she's awful. I've never hated a child until I met yours, but she is really, really awful. She's not been kicked out of school. Did I mention the kid is 10 years old? Because the teachers are targeting her. She's been kicked out of school because she's an entitled bully, just like her entitled mother. And if you want any hope of her having a decent life, you'd become a decent parent and correct some of her behavior. But oh no, that would require correcting yours, you abominable excuse for a human being. It was glorious, awful, awkward and silent betty big mouth had suddenly been struck dumb the tantruming terror was gaping like a fish out of water and then there was sam sam broke the silence when he started laughing like deep belly full-bodied laughter mama hodai looked horrified angry mystified and humiliated as her father laughed hysterically to be fair not sure any of us knew how to react After what felt like an hour, but was likely about a minute, Sam stopped laughing and told his daughter and granddaughter, you can sit down and shut up or go wait in the car. He then told Heather to go ahead and ring the bell. The slain beast and her beastette slinked back to their seats where they both sat shell-shocked while Heather rang the bell. We clapped. Some of the cheap seats clapped a little too enthusiastically, Then Heather, her daughter, and I sauntered out of the room. Heather and I parted ways at the hospital entrance, and I wished her the world of luck, but I've got a feeling she won't need it. If you can slay two Karens in one 90-second rant, cancer is nothing. I love Heather, but my God, I'm so glad she isn't my grandma. I mean, to be honest, the only part about the story which I don't really agree with OP on is the fact that you're saying that you don't want Heather to be your grandma. Are you joking? She sounds unbelievable. I get what you're kind of saying slightly, I will say. You think that maybe she's a little bit too just like stern and sticks up for herself too much perhaps to the detriment of you as her granddaughter, maybe? You want to have a bit more fun? I don't know. I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. To be honest, she just sounds badass, as you said. Now, as for these entitled people, the fact that their own dad, granddad, is laughing at them for a full minute. It's just mental. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I do not understand how one family can contain two sets of people that are just so different. You've got Sam, absolute legend, who just laughs at his own entitled family members. Then you've got, as you said, the beast and the beastettes. They were just disgusting individuals. I don't get it. I mean, seriously, ringing that bell after being told you are now cancer-free must be one of the most amazing moments in someone's life and you're trying to take that away from them it's nuts but hey fair play to heather not just for beating cancer 
but for also beating entitled people. Now for our next entitled parent story. Entitled stepmonster got herself banned from my wedding. I am a 28 year old man and my stepmother who is 49 is a wannabe party planner. She's taken it upon herself to plan and host every party and holiday my dad's family has thrown since she married him. I never loved those occasions growing up. She's controlling and gets upset if people complain about anything, but humored her for my dad's sake. According to him, this helps her feel included. I'm getting married to my fiance Jane in July. We got engaged in early 2021, but Jane ended up getting pregnant a couple of months after that, and we decided to postpone the wedding to focus on our son for a while. So we've had a long engagement. My stepmother has tried to hijack our wedding plans from day one, complaining, contacting our planner, showing up unannounced to Jane's dress appointments and more. And we've repeatedly asked her to stop. Now dad wants us to humor her again, but she's clearly resentful of the fact that she's not hosting the wedding or being labeled mother of the groom in invitations. Besides our baby boy, we also have Luke, who is a four-year-old, Jane's paternal half-brother. She got custody of him a few months into our relationship after his parents died. I ended up moving in with them during the pandemic and have been in Luke's life since he was a baby. He doesn't call me dad and refers to us as his sister and his OP, but we love him like a son. Stepmother though, hates Luke. Sorry to interrupt, she hates a four-year-old child. Crazy. Anyway, she accuses Jane of baby trapping her way into the family. That accusation only got worse after our son was born. My dad gets along with Jane and adores the kids, but stepmother demands him to refuse babysitting Luke so we don't leave the kids with them often. Instead, Jane's brother and sister-in-law usually watch the kids for us as their children are close to ours in age. We had a thing last Sunday and my brother-in-law was out of town with his family. Jane's other siblings live in different cities as well as my mum and sister. My dad agreed to babysit at our place and we left. We came back to find both kids crying, stepmother screaming, and dad weakly trying to calm everyone down. Apparently, Luke had told stepmother that both he and our son were going to be our ring bearers, and she went ballistic, at a four-year-old that is. She screamed that she wasn't going to allow that because he wasn't family. She then unfortunately got physical when he started crying. His lip is still split. She'd never gotten to this point before. Oh my. We immediately banned her from our house and from our wedding. Dad is fuming and has said he's not going without her. He's also convinced half of his side of the family by severely downplaying what stepmother did to boycott the wedding as well. This includes my stepbrother who fully agrees with his mother no matter how many times I try to tell him the truth. Me and Jane are refusing to budge, but many of my cousins who aren't coming anymore are asking us to reconsider. Pretty much all of Jane's family agrees with us, but one of her aunts has suggested that maybe stepmother is acting out because she doesn't feel welcomed by my family. I've honestly had it with my family enabling her behavior. I love my dad and really want him at my wedding, but I'm more than willing to go no contact if it means protecting my family. Now guys, the good news is that there is an update to this post, so we will find out what happens next. However, I do have to say just off the rip, The fact that some people in your family are defending your stepmother because she might feel left out of the family. That's a reason why she's abusing a four-year-old. Like, what is going on there? Seriously, what's going on? And look, maybe it's just a split lip and that's not that deep. No, sorry, I disagree. 
A four-year-old has been physically hurt and people are defending her. What is she doing? Now, that initial post was written five days ago, but just five hours ago, we got the following updates. I'll start off by saying that me and Jane are going no contact with my dad and stepmom. We haven't really spoken to either of them since the incident, and I don't plan on being the one to reach out. Any communication between us is being handled by my younger sister. She's completely on our side, but will remain in low contact for the time being. I've decided to adopt Jane's way of dealing with people she cares about. Forgive what's apologized for, but never forget. Basically, if dad or my stepmom ever truly understand what they did wrong and sincerely apologize, we are willing to forgive them, even if begrudgingly so. But we will never ignore or let them forget what they did to our family. And for the time being, neither of them will be allowed near Luke, our baby, and any other kids we may have in the future, even if we do forgive them. Well, I for one completely agree with all of that, and I'm happy to hear it. As for the rest of my family, I read a lot of comments suggesting that I post pictures of Luke's face, as well as the nanny cam footage. I'm not very active on social media, but even if I was, I'm not comfortable exposing my injured preschooler like that, especially given that nothing on the internet ever truly goes away. I also decided not to share the pictures with my family unless truly necessary. I should probably mention that while my family adores my dad, most of them aren't very fond of my stepmom. She had two failed marriages prior to meeting my father, the first of which resulted in my stepbrother, and he cheated on his then girlfriend to be with her. My family loved that girlfriend and disliked my stepmom right away. Not only has she been controlling and manipulative since the beginning, she's also tried to force her way into the family matriarch role by any means possible. Taking over planning duties for every family event was her favorite way of doing it because of all the attention and compliments that come with it. The main reason why I hated these parties growing up was because she'd always find a way to make everything about her, including Christmas and mine and my sister's birthdays. The rest of the family felt neutral about it, but they never liked her. With Luke, it was different. Most of my relatives didn't meet him until COVID restrictions got looser, and by then he was two years old. He's a bright and genuinely lovable kid, and there weren't really any other small children in the family, so everyone immediately started cooing over him. The way I see it, my stepmom got upset that Jane and Luke were accepted by my family so easily compared to her experience, and that is why she resents them both but I can't confirm that. She was also mad that, aside from not being the planner, she would have absolutely no involvement in the wedding party. She tried to pressure us into letting her officiate. One of Jane's best friends was offered that role a year ago, making stepbrother my best man. He wasn't interested and I'd already got on my best friend or asking her sister's daughter to be our flower girl, but we'd promised Jane's three-year-old niece. Also, her sister's daughter is 15 and doesn't know us. Sorry, that is so weird. Imagine just a random 15-year-old girl being like, uh, yeah, let me just carry these flowers. Sorry, just got a funny image in my head. Anyway, she also tried to convince us to let my dad walk Jane down the aisle since her father's gone. But her eldest brother, the brother-in-law I mentioned in the first post, had already been enlisted. Okay, that one is crazy. My stepmom was disappointed that my family wasn't as involved in the wedding as Jane's and kept making comments about how that would never happen if we put me in charge. All of that being said, there is nothing that can excuse being that awful to a child, especially if it really is the petty jealousy that I suspect. Because I haven't spoken with my father, my sister has been keeping me updated on what he's been up to. 
as I found out through her, the story my dad and stepmom told the rest of the family completely erases Luke's injury and the abuse charges. Oh yeah, guys, OP left a really small edit on the first post saying that they actually were going to press charges on the stepmom for what she did to Luke, which is completely fair. It insinuates that me and Jane banned them because we got annoyed with my stepmom and decided to take it out on my dad as well. Because most people already dislike my stepmom, explaining what actually happened that night wasn't hard. And most of the relatives that I actually wanted at the wedding have apologized and are now berating my dad as well. The people that didn't believe us, as well as those saying we overreacted, have been told they are not welcome in our home anymore. Those are mostly people from my dad's generation, so I can't say I'm surprised. But the realization that they're so biased that they're willing to protect a woman they hate after she hurt a child just to make my dad happy has reassured me that I don't need any of them in my life. My stepbrother is still in denial. He refuses to believe his mother could hurt a child, even with all the evidence we have. I have to admit, I understand. I love my mum too, but that doesn't mean I'd excuse his obliviousness. So he's banned too. It sucks because we were close growing up, but I don't regret it. Besides, Jane has three other siblings besides Luke, the older brother-in-law, a twin brother, and a younger sister, and I'm closer to them than I ever was with him. Speaking of Jane's family, they're all furious over what happened and have been extremely supportive of us. Jane's maternal family basically adopted Luke after she got custody of him and have called frequently to make sure he's okay. We did manage to save some money with everybody we uninvited and have decided to use it to help Jane's cousin. She lives in a different country and was previously unable to come to the wedding, so we're paying for her plane ticket. That is awesome. Luke has gotten much better and is almost completely back to being the sunny child he's always been. The split lip was shallow. It's healing slowly, but didn't require any stitches. We sat him down a few days ago and explained that my dad and step monster wouldn't be around anymore. He really liked my dad, but understands that he and stepmom are attached at the hip. He's clearly scared of her, but we're doing our best to make him feel safe. That is so sad that a four-year-old has that much terror in their lives at that age wow me and jane have reassured him that he is family we love him and no one will ever change that i'm not too worried about my dad or stepmom trying to show up at the wedding but we've alerted the venue and given them pictures just in case they try anything better safe than sorry some people brought attention to the fact that my stepmom is a hypocrite for saying luke isn't family i agree for obvious reasons her main excuse for pretty much everything she does is that she doesn't feel like my family welcomes her Dad has been guilting me to take part in everything she plans by reminding us of that for as long as I can remember. The way he continues to make excuses for her without realizing this is basically a case of the pot calling the kettle black, except Luke actually is family. This is what has made me accept that while I will always love my dad, it's not healthy or safe for me and my family to be around him anymore. It hurts to know that my son won't have his only remaining bio grandfather in his life but he has two amazing step-grandpas to make up for it. For now, I'm sad, but satisfied with how things have turned out. I don't like to complain about my life. It's a mess, but a beautiful one. I love my fiance, I love my kids, and I'm lucky enough to love my job. We're happy, and I'm not letting anyone ruin that. And there we go. Great story. Really enjoyed that one. You know what? I really like the fact that throughout this, you kept almost reminding us the reason as to why you were treating your dad in the same way you were treating your stepmom, alienating him from the family. Well, not alienating him, but you know what I mean? Going no contact. When he, to be fair, 
himself wasn't doing anything particularly badly but yeah you just summed it up at the end right there the fact that he is enabling your stepmom's disgusting behavior if anything is just as bad as what your stepmom is doing right now op has said that they hope that this is the last update on the story but they'll keep us posted it's one of those ones i really really hope that they do not show up at your wedding but if they do wow it would make for some reddit post why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.